Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up, and welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a Whitley comic book podcast brought to you by Kings Comics in Sydney. All the comics that we're about to talk about on this show can be found at Kings Comics, 310 Pitt Street in Sydney, or kingscomics.com if you hate the outside world and wish to only live in an online world in which things can be sent to your door and the only contact you have is with your humble postman. Nice. This is a beautiful world. Um, my name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. Every single week on the show, we read every single comic book live. <laughs> we haven't read any comic book there. That's, a, that's a, the, the secret of serious issues. Is we read them all live and let you know what we're thinking about them as we read them. That sounds fun. That sounds like the longest podcast ever. <laughs> well, just Someone... lots of really long periods of silence. I did, um, I did a podcast for SBS the other day, which I'll talk about more when it's no. actually coming out. Okay, sure. But um, the, the host was like, yeah, I've been listening to Serious Issues. It's a bit of a slog. <laughs> and I was like, yep. <laughs> I mean, does he read comics? No. So, so yeah, I get yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, oh, I think he does. Anyway, sorry. Strap in, everybody. It's time for a slog. <laughs> um, we, uh, not only are we going to be reviewing all of last week's comics, both, uh, uh, the, the first issues and the other issues with other numbers that aren't one on them. Mm. Um, but we're also announcing, um, they, they, they went up, uh, last week, but it is the time for you to vote in the serious issues awards for 2017. Uh, vote for your favorite comic book series, artists, uh, writers, colorists, characters, uh, we've put an incredible um, list together, mm-hmm. and uh, if you want to head to bit.ly slash Serious Issues Awards 2017, or just uh, check out the link, which I'll link in the um, in the episode description, you can uh, head to a survey site where you can vote and um, cast your vote on a bunch. Of, basically, what we've done is we've picked a bunch of categories, mm-hmm. and then Siobhan and I kind of like whittled it down to six nominees that we thought represented the comics that we talked about the most on the show and within our Facebook community as well. Yep. Um, so if you know, if, if you look at the, our list and go, oh man, our, my favorite comic isn't there, that's not us saying that your favorite comic isn't worthy of being a winner of the best comics in the year. It's just, you know, it's, 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 it's a, just bad. That's all. It's, a, it's us being... It's just bad and you have bad taste. Like, yeah, okay, sure. Well, Siobhan <laughs> playing the good, cap, good cop, bad cop routine <laughs> once again. Well, just one day I want to be the bad cop, Siobhan. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to run through all of the um, categories now. 
Um, I guarantee you this will be news to Siobhan because I bet you she's forgotten all the ones that we said were going to be our favourites of the year. I have. <laughs> uh, and we kick things off with Best DC Series. Um, we chose uh, the six. Um, uh, the, uh, we chose six, basically, for every single category, six different nominees. And so we've got Batman by Tom King, Joel Jones, Michael Jennin, Mitch Gerrards, uh, Clay Man, Danny Meeky, uh, David Finch, Jason Fabok, and more. The massive creative team on that one. Yes, a lot of people. Um, Aquaman is the other DC uh, DC title on there by Dan Abnett and Stepjan Sejic. Um, plus, we've got The Wild Storm by Warren Ellis and John Davis Hunt. Shade the Changing Girl, um, out through Young Animal in DC by Cecil Castellucci and Marley Zarcone. Um, Mr. Miracle is on there, um, another one by Tom King with uh, Mitch Gerrards again. And uh, finally, another Young Animal book, Mother Panic by Jody Hauser, John Paul Leon and Sean Crystal. It's a good list. It's a great list of, uh, of books that you you know we've definitely kind of supported very heavily since Absolutely. the show uh, began, no, since, since the beginning of the year anyway. Uh, best Marvel series, uh, we have The Mighty Thor by Jason Aaron, Russell Dorderman, Valerio Shitti, uh, Matt Wilson and various artists, uh, Black Panther by Ta-Nehisi Coates, Brian Stelfreeze, Wilfredo Torres, Christopher Sprouse and Leonard Kirk, Black Bolt by Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward. Uh, Runaways by Rainbow Rowell, Chris Anker, and Matt Wilson. I know there's only been three issues of that so far. But, but it's all... been that good. Yeah, I've really loved it. So I think that definitely deserves a spot on there. Uh, the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl by Ryan North, Erica Henderson, Enrico Renzi. And Silver Surfer, the run that ended this year by Dan Slott, Mike Allred, and Laura Allred. Uh, over to Image Series now, we have Kill or Be Killed by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Elizabeth Breitweiser. Uh, Royal City by Jeff Lemire. Snot Girl by, by Brian Lee O'Malley and Leslie Hung. Crosswind by Gail Simone and Kat Staggs. The Old Guard by Greg Rucker and Leandro Fernandez. And Spy Seal, The Court and Steel Phoenix by Rich Tommaso. Uh, that's a really fucking hard to pick from list. Yeah, that's really hard. I mean, there's definitely one true winner for me. But, but like, <laughs> but other, those are all like, you know... Those frequently, are all incredible series. There were a lot of 10 out of 10 issues in, in th- those series this year. Absolutely. Um, so uh, we've got best other publisher series. And, nice. You know, other publishers just where we lump every publisher who isn't Image, Marvel, or DC into. Uh, so we have a Dark Horse book, um, Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire, by Dean Ormston and David Rubin. Or Rubine. Um, Rubin? I don't know. Mm. Maybe if he wins, we can call him up and ask him. Uh, Jazz Maynard through Lion Forge and Magnetic Press by Raleigh Ro- and Roger. Um, another Lion Forge Magnetic Press book, Ghost Money by Terry Smolderin and Dominique Bertale. Uh, we have Heathen by Natasha Alterici through Vault. Uh, Motro by Ulysses Farinas and Ryan Hill through Oni Press. And Motor Girl um, by Terry Moore through Abstract Studios. Also like, all incredible series. Definitely. And ones that we, like, you know, I mean, Black Hammer is definitely one that I hear lots of people talk about, but I think the other five on that list were kind of ones that I have a very personal connection to that I think we really, you know, surprised us out the gate and we, uh, you know, really pushed very heavily. Mm. We, you know, we, 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 we put a little, we give a lot of love to independence on, on the podcast. Um, best All Ages series. Uh, we have The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl again by Ryan North, Erica Henderson, and Rico Renzi through Marvel. Uh, a DC book, Super Sons by Peter Tomasi, Jorge Jimenez, and various artists. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur by Amy Reader, Brandon Montclair, Natasha Bustos, and Tamara Bonvillain uh, through Marvel. Uh, Mech Cadet U by Greg Pak, Takeshi Miyazawa, and Triona Farrell by, through Boom Studios. Uh, Your Pal Archie by Ty Templeton and Dan Parent. And finally, The Backstages by James Tinian IV uh, and Ryan Sai through Boombox. Great. Uh, best miniseries. There's, this is like, all of these are like, just like essential reads, in my opinion. Yeah, for this is like just a really good Christmas shopping list. Or just a good checklist of like 
series that you should like, you know, finish the year and go, okay, I've got to, I've got to try and check these ones out. Absolutely. Um, Plastic by Doug Wagner, Daniel Hilliard and Laura Martin. So weird. Uh, Kill the Minotaur by Chris Passetto, Christian Cantamessa, Lucas Kettner and John, uh, Jean-Francois Bellew. Uh, those are both image series. So is Spy Seal, The Court and Steel Phoenix by Rich Tommaso. The Tintin uh, tribute that we love so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only Valiant book on this entire list, which a lot of people were angry about, but I think this is, <laughs> you know, far and away the best thing they put out this year, which is uh, Secret Weapons by Eric Hisara, Hisara, Roll Allen and Patricia Martin. Um, and then we have Four Kids Walk Into a Bank by Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss, the so Black Mask series. That that um, I'm going to be reviewing in our bonus episode that we're going to record after this episode. Um, And uh, finally, Sword Quest by Chad Bowers, Chris Sims, and Ghost Rider X, the uh, Dynamite and Atari comic that uh, was one of my surprise favorites of the year. So then the big award, I guess, is big Best Ongoing Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is essentially the best comic of the year. Yeah. Uh, Kill or Be Killed by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Elizabeth Brightweiser through Image. Um, Snot Girl by Brian Lee, O'Malley, and Leslie Hung through Image. Uh, from Marvel, we have The Mighty Thor by Jason Aaron, Russell Dorderman, Valeria Shitty, uh, Matt Wilson, and various artists. Um, Dark Horse's Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire, Dean Ormston, and David Rubin. Um, Batman by Tom King, etc., etc., and The Flintstones, a book that I think a lot of people nice. have forgotten about, but it was far and away like you know one of our favorite books of last year, and we actually got another five issues of it this year. So The Flintstones by Mark Russell and Steve Pugh, I think, definitely deserves to be in that list too. Absolutely. Best first issue. We have uh, you know first things first, beginning every episode of serious issues. So it's a good one to kind of a good award to have even mm. though it's very hard to remember which uh, first issues were good this year yeah I can't remember anything uh, I put Batman Elmer Fudd number one by Tom ah, King and Lee Weeks snuck that in yeah, well, it's I, bullshit it deserved to be there it was one of my, <laughs> one of my favourite standalone issues of the year and yeah, it did have a one right. on it um, and then this one did not have a one, but it was a first issue. Moon Knight number 188, which is oh, the yeah. first issue of Max Bemis and Jason Burroughs' uh, recent Moon Knight run Great through issue. Marvel. Um, another recent number one for, uh, was Fence, the um, very uh, fun and fruity book about fencing. Did you know that that's written? Uh, C.S. Picat is local. She's Melbourne-based. Really? I don't know She's a Melbourne lady. Yeah, I really love that book. Yeah, she just did a signing at King's. We're going to try and get her in for Queens of Kings in the future. I didn't know she was here. That sucks. I would have yeah. got my I love that, that cover so much. I yeah. Would, I would, I would, I love to have a scribble in that guy's forehead. Someone described it as um, it was like a women's studies meeting <laughs> with the <laughs> amount of like young women in the store. It was sick. Fantastic. Uh, art, but on, art by um, Johanna the Mad. That was through Boombox, the fence number one. Um, another great uh, series, Aliens Dead Orbit number one by James Stokoe through Dark Horse. Uh, Jeff Lemire's Royal City number one through mm-hmm. Image. And great. finally, Shaolin Cowboy, Who Will Stop the Rain number one by Jeff Darrow uh, through Dark Horse. Then we have uh, an, a very, very special award that you won't find in any other awards this year. And this is Best First Issue written by Cullen Bunn. As you know, no one writes more first issues than Cullen Bunn. And we have... All of them. Like 14 that you can choose from here. So Regression, number one. Monsters Unleashed, number one. Monsters Unleashed with an exclamation mark, number one. What? Uh, the, yeah, there were two. There was the, there was the event and oh then the series God. after the event. Yes. Uh, the Unsound, number one. X-Men Blue, number one. Venomverse, number one. Generations Phoenix and Jean Grey, number one. Micronauts Wrath of Kaza, number one. The Damned Ill-Gotten, number one. Dark Ark, number one. Unholy Grail, number one. Star Wars Darth Maul, number one. Deadpool cool, Kills the Marvel Universe, again, number one. And Grey. Brave Lilies, number one. Apparently, I've actually forgotten some as well. I'm sure. I just had a nap then. <laughs> uh, best graphic novel this year. Um, if you've been listening to our Patreon-only bonus episodes, you would have heard us talk about um, our favorite uh, graphic novels that we read each month. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, there's a bunch of great ones here. We have Rough Neck by Jeff Lemire through Simon and Schuster. That was so good. So great. Um, so was uh, My Brother's Husband by Gengaro Tagame mm-hmm. through Pantheon Books. Um, Savage Town by Declan Shalvey, Philip Barrett, and Jordi Belair, the image uh, trade that came out this year. I really, really love that. Um, Jane, which is a recent one that I finished that I'll also be talking about on the uh, bonus episode that we record after this one, by Aline Brosh McKenna and Ramon K. Perez through Bar- Boom Books and Archaea. Um, and My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness by Carvey oh, so Nagata. Yeah, it was one of your favorites of the year. It was incredible. It? Yeah. Uh, Three Seven Seas Entertainment. And finally, uh, an, Aust- an Australian one um, from Perth's Campbell White. We have the top shelf release, Home Time, nice. which was an all ages book that I really loved. With incre- incredible art. Definitely uh, keep it- try and find that one if you haven't heard of it before. Uh, best Colorist. We're now getting to the very the individual awards here for Best Creators. Um, Tamara Bonvillain. I, I, I always say Bonvillain, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm over-fancifying it. I think it is Bonvillain. No, let's be maximum fancy. Okay. All right, fine. We'll fancify it, everything. Uh, <laughs> Tamara did the colors on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, Doom Patrol, Wayward, and Uncanny Avengers. Um, we have Elizabeth Brightweiser, who is the colorist behind Kill or Be Killed, and also recently the uh, Batman annual. Um, Jordi Belair, who does colors on a lot of things, including yes. Redlands, Batman, Injection, Doctor Strange, Hawkeye, and then Not Like Us. Um, also the uh, the Savage Town uh, tra- what it's called, the graphic novel that I talked about earlier. Um, Matt Wilson, who you can find on Paper Girls, The Wicked and the Divine, The Mighty Thor and Runaways. Dave Stewart, who lent his talents to many, many books this year, um, Shaolin Cowboy. Uh, Maestro's The Mighty Thor, to name but a few. And uh, finally, Laura Martin, who we saw on Plastic, Wonder Woman, Star Wars, and Black Panther this year. Nice. That's a really hard one as well. Yeah, totally. They're a lot of beautiful colorists, and I like them all for very individual styles. So trying to pin that one down is going to be difficult. It's a tough one. Best artist. Um, this is like, you know, this is where we kind of... Basically, it's, it's really... I want to be like, you know, you should have tried harder, creators. But, mm. you know, there are there are lots of artists. There are lots of writers. And so I kind of looked back at all the books that I loved this year. And then I kind of compared it to last year. And, you know, did I think that the, the creators that we listed um, had a better year this year than they did last year, I guess, was the kind of main criteria that I looked at. So, like, you know, while I loved, say, Jason Aaron, for example, um, you know, I thought his Thor book was one of the best books of the year. Mm. But, you know, we we got very, very few issues of Southern Bastards. I wasn't a big fan of his Star Wars run. And, uh, yeah, I think, like, compared to his output last year, I think I just, I just enjoyed what he, what he did last year more than this year. So, also, everyone fucking loves Jason Aaron. He doesn't yeah. need some... He can't win every year. He doesn't year. need some, some, some podunk podcast <laughs> telling him he's good. Um, and he got nominated for other stuff. His books got nominated. Um, so uh, Best Artist Award, um, the nominees are Joelle Jones, um, from uh, who we recently saw on Batman, uh, Supergirl Being Super, and Lady Killer 2, her own book. Uh, Stepjan Sejic, um, Stepan, Stepan Sejic, the uh, funnest name to pronounce every single time I'm going to do it, um, who did like less books than all the other artists on here. But I just think... As, as far as like completely turning us around yeah. on a book, you know, neither of us were reading Aquaman and had no desire to. And then suddenly all it took was seeing one page of his art. Mm. I just think like what he did with it for Aqu- Aqu- with Aquaman with, with Abnett is just like a miracle. Agreed. <laughs> uh, so he also uh, was, could be seen on the uh, Suicide Squad for an issue or two this year as well. Uh, Marley Zakone, another artist who uh, didn't do much um, that I saw this year, but I loved her the style that she brought to Shade the Changing Girls so much. Absolutely. I think she definitely deserves a little spot here. Uh, Mitch Gerrards, whose work uh, was uh, on Mr. Miracle and Batman with Tom King. 
Uh, Nicholas Scott, um, again, uh, you know, just wearing us when it came to like her stuff on Wonder Woman and Black Magic this year. And uh, finally, David Rubin, who we saw on Ether and uh, Black Hammer and the Black Hammer spin off book over yep. at uh, Dark Horse. He's about to come back, I think, is it next week, a week after, with uh, he's a new artist on Rumble as well through Image. Cool. Uh, the big one again, the best writer of 2017. Uh, at the top, Jeff Lemire. Roughneck, Royal City, Black Hammer, Bloodshot Salvation, Thanos, Moon Knight, Descender. I'm probably forgetting things. He was the most prolific writer. Mm. I think maybe he... Except even... for Colin Bond. Yeah, true. <laughs> but I actually loved almost everything <laughs> Jeff Lemire did this year. Uh, Cecil Castellucci from Shade the Changing Girl and also the uh, uh, graphic novel that I quite enjoyed called Soupy Come Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Rosenberg from Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, Kingpin, Rocket Raccoon, Secret Warriors and Punisher. He made me like Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. I didn't think that was possible. He also did that Archie's book that you didn't like. I didn't like that. Forget about that one. He co co wrote that. Um, (laughs) Jodie Hauser, who uh, I think had a great year this year with uh, her work on Mother Panic, The Money Penny One Shot, Faith, and Spider Man Renew Your Vows. Uh, Ulysses Farinas, one of our absolute kind of podcast favorites, Mm -hmm. um, who we saw on Motro, Claudia and Rex, and Judge Dredd, The Blessed Earth. Um, through IDW. Uh, and finally, Tom King, who, you know, we talk about him all the Whatever, time. Whatever, Tom King. Batman, Mr. Miracle, Commandy Challenge. You know who he is. Yeah, great year, especially on his Batman stuff. Uh, best comic book event. Uh, this is a funny one. Doomsday Clock through DC, Secret Empire through Marvel, Dark Knight's Metal through DC, Venomverse at Marvel, Justice League versus Suicide Squad through DC, Monsters Unleashed through Marvel, or the seventh option, They All Sucked, Please Don't Make Me Choose One. Nice. <laughs> Which I think is in the lead at the moment. <laughs> Uh, Best comic book movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, Wonder Woman, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Lego Batman, Thor, Ragnarok, and Logan. That's right. You can't even vote for Justice League. (laughs) (laughs) Seems mean. Yep. Uh, Best comic book TV show, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Defenders, The Punisher, Legends of Tomorrow, Runaways, and Legion. Um, and uh, best character of the year. This is just us just like kind of throwing a bunch of characters that we like. This, it's not really a real award. I this mean, is the most important these award. These fictitious characters get a big trophy. Yes. Big fictitious trophy. Uh, so best character of the year, we have Spy Seal, Kite Man, Lottie Person from uh, Snot Girl, Squirrel Girl, Gabby Kinney from Wolverine, and Henry Cavill's Mustache. Nice. Um, best Serious Issues host. This is a very, very hotly uh, argued about topic last year. I'm going to be really pushing hard again this year, guys. Uh, it's important to me. You can vote for Levins. You can vote for Siobhan. You can vote for uh, our guest star boxes being taped, <laughs> the random beeping, um, Shatterstar, or Jim. Yay. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the last award. 18, nice. 18, not 18 uh, different categories of awards that you can vote for. Um, and we'll be, like, doing little call-outs to creators um, over the week over Twitter. So if you follow us on Twitter, which is series underscore underscore issues, I really appreciate you, you know, t- retweeting us or getting the word out that you voted. Uh, the more kind of it's – it's, this is a really – basically, you know, it's a great exercise to celebrate all of the comics that we've loved so much on the show, but it's also a great way to kind of show p- people that don't listen to the podcast the kind of podcast that we love and hopefully find new listeners to kind of share the podcast with. Absolutely. And get them into more comics that are very good. Buy more comics. So, yeah, if you uh, head to bit.ly slash uh, Serious Issues Awards 2017 or you can uh, just look in the show notes or over at our Facebook page, um, you'll find the link to vote there. Uh, may the best comics win, Siobhan. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of those comics right now. I'm going to take a big drink. You can tell everyone what First Things First is about. First Things First is, oh God, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> first Things First is a part of the show where we talk about all the number one issues. Is that correct? You did, did it. I get it right? Thank you. Did you. It. Um, so it was a good week. Yeah, it's, 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 it's coming up on Christmas. It is. So we get some Christmas specials. 
And uh, one that I was quite surprised to get a special of. There's random mm. beeping chiming in. What's up, guys? G- good luck, random beating, beeping. <laughs> now you beat me at the very least. Um, uh, one that I was not expecting to see this year, and it kind of took me by surprise when I saw it in the solicitations, is uh, a return to the Boom comic Claws, uh, written by Grant Morrison with art by Dan Mora, uh, which told like a... Batman Year One-esque kind of mm-hmm. origin story of Santa Claus um, two years ago? Yeah, it's, it's been around for a couple of years. And so um, the last two Christmases, we've gotten a Claus special, which is like if Graham Morrison just continues doing this forever, I'm really into it. This is going to be a new core part of Christmas for me. Definitely. So this is uh, yeah, Claus and the Crisis in Christmasville is the name of this special. Uh, and this kind of takes us to the 80s, mm-hmm. um, 1985. Uh, and uh, we see a family uh, basically get taken hostage as they arrive in a town called Christmasville, uh, and their father is uh, forced to become a uh, brain-controlled Santa, and the mother and children are forced to be, like, slaves or, Mm -hmm. I don't know, some weird alien bullshit. Um, What I love about this series so much is that it celebrates the idea of everything that's good about Santa while kind of like kicking all the bad things that Santa has kind of come to stand for now. Like it's not, you know, he is kind of like the face of capitalism in a way. Yeah. Um, Especially like the Coca-Cola aspect of him, which is definitely poked fun of. um, Yeah. Very explicitly in this issue, issue, the bad guys are the Polar Cola Corporation who want it to be Christmas all year round. Um, But this is also like a big celebration of just like, you know, the kind of, brilliant batshit crazy comics that Grant Morrison is such a big fan of the big you know intergalactic cosmic crazy shit going on essentially and superheroes yeah but so like you know like Santa Claus himself is a is a is a superhero mm-hmm. and like you know this this uh ageless um eternal uh superhero who in this in this one shot goes up against like a almost like a Lobo. Yeah, it looks exactly like Lobo, um, but Lobo Santa. Yeah, he's like a dark. How are we the, not the selling dark this comic version to you guys? Of, of, of Santa? <laughs> um, this is this is incredible and so silly, and but also just so like warm and with such a great heart to it. Um, Absolutely. And I loved that Dan Mora changed his art style up for this, so it really mm. feels like a like a Christmas special. Um, there's like a beautiful watercolors yeah. and really pared back in terms of some of the line work, so it just is like luminous. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it ends like for something that's so insanely off the wall crazy mm. for the most part. It ends on such a beautiful little note without like ramming the Christmas spirit down your down your throat. Absolutely. This was sensational. It's incredible. Like, Graham Morrison has done something really special with this. And it, I, I really love this series. And I'm excited because um, the next Queens of Kings session, we're doing the original Claws series um, as our Christmas book of the month. Yep. And the response that I've gotten from the girls already has been so positive and such a... Like, it's it's part of Christmas now for all these other people as well, which I think is something really yeah. beautiful and really nice. Definitely. Queens of Kings is uh, oh, yes. Siobhan's uh, reading club. For ladies and those who uh, non-binary people right. also. Yep. Um, so it's yeah, good fun. They meet up once a month and read comics. We talk about Nightwing's butt a lot. Nightwing's butt, my favorite character in Santa Claus. <laughs> um, but uh, I think this is like crazy because I, beyond the um, the comics that he wrote for the um, the Indian comic book publisher. Yep. Which we only got like you know a, a very small handful of this mm. year. This is the only book that Garrett Morrison put out this year. Really? Yeah, I don't think he did anything else. Oh, oh he's, yeah, he is really... the editor of Heavy Metal, but did he, yeah. does he actually write for com- write comics in that, or just kind of put together other people's comics? 
Yeah. I think he occasionally writes bits and pieces for it, but mostly I think being editor is taking yeah. up a lot of his time. So this is a real treat, getting this. It is an absolute treat. And, um, it's look, Grant Morrison at his best. Yeah, definitely. Just everything everything I love about him as a creator is, is on display in this uh, completely fun and crazy Santa Claus book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it gets my highest recommendation. And it I really would, does. I would have given this a, uh, a shout out for best number one of the year. Yeah. Um, had we put the awards together a bit later. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, um, please, everyone, go check out Claws and the Crisis in Christmasville, number one. Pick it up. Give it to all your loved ones for Christmas. Let's keep, keep it Christmassy for a moment. DC's Holiday Special 2017, number one. 11 festive fables from some of comics' greatest creators came out last week. And that wasn't even a lie. Usually with these Christmas specials, you get sort of really D-list talent on it. But there was, like, there was a Tom King story. There was... Jeff Lemire. With great art on the Jeff Lemire one by Absolutely. Giuseppe Camoncoli, which uh, is like uh, about Clark Kent going um, undercover to Peppy's Bar, the uh, guy who's obsessed with Superman. Bippo. Bippo, is it? Fuck, Peppo, Bippy, whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and, and, and then Constantine is there too. It's a cute little story. And I think cute little story is kind of what every single creator is going for when they <laughs> contribute a story to this, except Tom King, who writes... What a shock. The most, like, uh, brutal, heavy-handed Hanukkah Hanuk- miracle story featuring Sergeant Rock and a, yeah. uh, a Jewish soldier versus a Nazi. That I think, like, I guess, like, you know, I'm not denying that this is, a like, a well-told story, but I just think tonally, the shift from, like, it, it's sandwiched between <laughs> a, a, a story in which Green Arrow and Black Canary... Uh, save some orphans. Yeah, save some orphans while dressed up as Santa and Mrs. Claus. And then the next one is um, the Flash um, running people home because a plane is being grounded for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and in the middle, you get this, like, Francesco Francavilla illustrated ultra-depressing World War Two story where, ah, uh, yeah... No, like I love Francesco Francavia. I like Tom King, but uh, yeah, I think I think he loves war a lot. I, I huh? think it is, it is so. So, um, uh, one of our incredible listeners, Rebecca, pointed out that it is like you know each day is the first night, the second night, the third yeah. night, up to the eight nights. So that's the the eight nights of of, yeah. of, of the Hanukkah miracle, um, uh, which I didn't pick up on at first, and I I definitely like I, that. That is very clever. But I, um, I just think like in in any other collection of books, like if this is like a backup of a war story or something like that, I would have definitely been in a better frame of mind to take this story seriously. Mm. But I just think, like, what the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> and like, it just sucks because it's like, oh no, it's really really good. Like you know, they haven't just focused on Christmas. Yeah. You know, and we we get like a um uh oh, what's it called? What's the um solstice story yeah later in later in the issue featuring um wonder woman and batman written by greg ucker with bilkus evely that's another positive thing about um grant morrison stuff is it's very like solstice and like yes open, definitely open to interpretation but, but yeah but i just think like i i i, I don't i doubt it like i i i just it sucks that like the the, the only jewish the, story the is... hanukkah story is this super depressing war story yeah I don't know, it's not yeah whatever yeah um but yeah, I, I definitely liked this holiday special more than last year's. Um, the I could not get through the Dan DiDio Atomic Knights. Oh yeah, I didn't story. really understand that, was, that one. That was bizarre. That was silly. But the one with like Starfire and the Teen Titans was very cute, and the Deathstroke one was I, really funny. I thought the Deathstroke was like my highlight in this. Yeah, that was Deathstroke absolutely Christmas delightful story. because it actually showed him caring about his family, like just without any complications for once. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but I think yeah, the, the standout for me was probably the the bridging story, um, the the beginning and ending, which was by um, Jeff Lemire and um, Giuseppe Camicoli. Yeah. But by far the absolute highlight in this entire thing. Did you read the Encore Holiday Classic, which mm-hmm. is this story written? I guess I don't I don't know which year. It oh, no, looks I didn't like Silver it. Age, I guess Batman. Yeah. Written it by looks like uh, Neil Adams, Mike Friedrich with Neil Adams and Dick Giordano as artists. Um, and uh, edited by Julie Schwartz. This is a story in which um, Gordon invites Batman to come sing Christmas carols with the GCPD. Cute! And um, in doing so, Batman is able to like channel the Christmas spirit and, <laughs> got, and the streets of Gotham are safe just because he was able to band together. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, oh, that's actually incredible. All of the bits of Batman singing. Yeah, so good. That's the best. Batman should sing Christmas carols in every festive book. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that was my highlight. Uh, nice. in, this, uh, in, this, in this collection. They're always such funny, like, mixed bags, these books. They really are. Um, and it's one of those things, it's like when you're, like, trying to get through as many comics as you can, you're like, why the fuck am I reading this? <laughs> I don't care if Starfire saves Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, I think this is a cute thing. And uh, if it didn't have that really ultra-depressing Tom King story in it, I would be like, this is a great thing to, like, put in your kid's Christmas stocking. But I probably wouldn't. Yep. Just rip um, out those pages. Put claws in there instead. Absolutely. Agreed. Buff uh, Santa, yes please. So DC also put out another number one this week. Um, the uh, oh, collaboration with IDW, Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the second crossover. Um, I didn't read the first series. I Me neither. I, thought, I just thought I'd give, I know a lot of people loved that and so I thought I would give it. just want to check, it, check in with it. Um, the, I mean, the creative team is definitely reason enough to at least give it a flick through. It's written by James Tinney in the fourth with art by Freddie Williams the second. Nice. Who is great and I don't see his art enough. Mm. Like, And he, even though he draws like Michael Bay-centric um, kind of Ninja Turtles. I'm fine um, with that. Yeah, I mean, Donatello in particular looks really cool with all the extra technology tacked onto him. Um, but... Uh, Colors by Jeremy Cowell, Cowell on this as well, which I really enjoyed. But uh, as far as the story, like it's like you know, classic multiverse crossing over stuff. Um, Donatello dicks around with technology to try and take on some big force and ends up uh, swapping places um, with none other than a uh, recently brought back to life from a um, Lazarus pit, Bane. Hilarious. So Bane's got to face off against the Ninja Turtles while Donatello is uh, chilling with Robin and Batman. That's. Which is that actually kind of fun. Kind of yeah, so I, 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 I kind of like, as they, they did all the setup, I was like, I don't care about this. And then that happened. I was like, oh, maybe I'll read another issue. <laughs> um, Image put out three number ones this week, Siobhan. They sure did. Um, and uh, I want to kick things off with a review of Sleepless by Sarah Vaughan, Leila De Luca, um, Alyssa Sala, and Darren Bennett. Um, and this is a new story, um, a new book about the, uh, the daughter, the Ill- illegitimate daughter mm-hmm. of a dead king um, who goes to visit... Uh, the the now king who is the king's brother mm-hmm. um, uncle and uh, on uh, as she le- after giving him a gift um, and being warned for the future she uh, is uh, attacked mm-hmm. by a would be assassin but she has her sort of special knight and they are called the sleepless and that seems to mean that they don't sleep oh yep that's why his eyes are all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> the book's literally called Sleepless. I was like, man, that guy looks really tired. He looks real sleepy. I, I, I got to ask Siobhan about this. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they drawing so tired? Right. <laughs> this was such a beautiful first issue. I loved this. I thought it was like incredible setup, great world building, so gorgeous. Like the cover is incredible. Layla DeLuca, um, Del 
Del Duca? Del Duca's art is incredible and the colours by Alyssa Sala are beautiful. Yep. I loved everything about this issue. Me too. Beautiful. And, and I, I love that like it's it's like didn't try and explain too much about the world mm-hmm. to you. It's like it's very quick moving. Yep. Um and but also not that eventful. Yep. Which I think Sarah Vaughan, like, you know, Alex and Ada, that first issue yes. was, is such a perfect example of that. I know she co wrote it with uh, her regular collaborator, but um I think she's very, very good at giving you just enough per issue to keep you like, oh, what's going to happen in the next one? Absolutely. And this is a perfect example of that. And um, lots of little subtle things like we, we see a scar on our uh, heroine's shoulder that's not explained. We don't know why this knight is so devoted to her. We don't know what happened to her mother. We don't know. There's all this she stuff. She has like that, a pet dog fox thing. It's cool as hell. Little, little cutie. Yep. Little yapper. Um, Love it. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this, um, and uh, I'm definitely keen to uh, continue reading more of it. Um, and I think like this really stands out of the recent image number ones that mm-hmm. we've gotten as just like just something that seems just so so effortless. Absolutely. Even though it looks, you know, like so much more effort went into it, but I think it, it's a breeze to get through. Whereas I feel like the biggest downfall of a lot of image books that we've started recently is just that there's so much world building and mm. exposition in the first issue. And it, it's really, really hard to, uh, like, I guess if you, if you were reading less comics than we were, were I, I can see you getting more into it. Mm. But um, like Paradiso, which we're about to talk about next, um, it definitely suffered from this. So yeah, yeah. Look, I highly recommend Sleepless. If you were just looking for like a new, different book to add to Absolutely. your stack, like uh, give this one a shot. This is a really, really great series. And it, it comes across as very like classic fairy tale elements. This is like a beautiful scene, like romance that's being set up at the center of it. Uh, there's so much to enjoy in this book. I really... Really highly recommend picking it up. Definitely. If this sounds like it appeals to you. So Paradiso um, is written by someone whose name is either Ram V or Ram 5. Mm. What happened Ram to the, 5. What happened to the four Rams before him? They're all dead. <laughs> uh, Dev Mal- Malia Pramanik uh, wrote the, did, sorry, did the art and with colors by uh, Diabla Kelly and That's Alex Salazar. Yeah, definitely. Diabla? Diabla? I would say Diabla. Diabla. Um, and oh god what happened in this one (laughs) (laughs) so there's a guy and he's trying to get in it's like classic um, what was that movie with Matt Damon where there's like there's all the people who live on no (laughs) yeah you know the Bourne movies no okay so there's like the post-apocalyptic oh that one that is like a mess that I bet you love Oh, I don't think I loved it. It's just the first example that popped right. into my head, and I thought it would be a funny reference. You do love but cinematic messes, though. I do. <laughs> El- <laughs> my favorite Elysium? Are terrible. Was it Elysium? Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's like the rich people, and they live above the earth in a fancy place called Paradiso, and then there's everyone else who lives outside of that, and they are poor and terrible. Is the basic vibe, and some guy is trying to get into Paradiso for reasons, and he looks like he has powers. In some capacity. Yeah, and like everyone's part robot. Everyone's part robo. There is some scary robo like It's not that he has powers. He has like a device that allows him to communicate with machines and power them or something like that, which gets stolen from him. And there's a guy who looks like Santa, but he's like a robo and he protects the Paradiso. Yeah. It's like two scary I thought the the art was fucking awesome. Especially this bizarre monster that has like, are they guns in his head? Or like, yes, yeah, that was wild as fuck. That was great. Yeah, um, there's some very, very cool designs in this, uh, and, and all of the um, the men with robotic parts on their person. I think that they looked really great. The yep. some brilliant looking cities as well. Yeah, but I, I just, yeah, I, I, I may give this a, a second issue. 
Um, I'm definitely going to give it a second issue. Yeah, I think a, a lot of these issue, image books kind of make more sense once you read the second one. Yeah, for sure. And if you have, like, we, we rush through so much stuff and this seems like a book that would uh, reward you for pouring over it more slowly. Doing a second or third yeah. uh, reading as well. I think it would be worthwhile. Um, so uh, you read one more image book. I did. Book I can't believe you didn't pick up Witchblade number one. But is, is it actually Witchblade? Isn't Witchblade like a long, long time Top Cow series? Yes. So Witchblade was created by, what's his name again? Is anyone in here that can help me? Oh, no. All the voice, voices in my head have abandoned me. <laughs> um, oh, God. What's his name? I'll look it up. You tell me about away. the issue. Anyway. So this is a revamped Witchblade. And Witchblade is known for being like classic top cow, like pretty scantily dressed. Didn't never really appeal to me as a concept in the past, just because it seemed like it was aimed at a very different audience. But this is Michael written, Turner. Michael Turner, there we With go. With Mark Silvestri, David Wall, and Brian Haberlin. So it was a four person effort to create this sexy gal. She was a sexy gal. And if you if you know those creators, you know exactly what kind of sexy gal she was. She was <laughs> not in proportion. Um, but so this is written by Caitlin Kittredge with art by Roberta Ingranata. So you can already tell that it's going to be a slightly different take on the character because it's got a female creative and team. And Top Cow have been quite good with giving these old licenses to, you know, different creative teams to give them a, a better gaze Absolutely. than what we got in the 90s. Um, and this, I, I don't know if... I don't know if I would have been better served to enjoy this first issue if I knew more about Witchblade as a character and understood. This was a slightly confusing issue in that it jumped around, but I think it was intentional because Witchblade herself, whose name I can't remember, is going through a tough time. Anyway, she is a um, attorney. Oh, her name is Alex Underwood. And she uh, is like a victim support person if they've had bad things happen to them and they're going through a court case right. or something. But anyway, then she's been killed, but she keeps waking up at random moments and weird stuff's happening. The art's great. Look at those layouts too. Great yeah, layouts. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, it looks incredible. And I don't really know what's going on in it, but I think it's semi-intentional and I think it'll be worthwhile to, um, I'm going to keep on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, cool. Sick. Yeah, it's good. Witchblade. I never thought I'd like and enjoy, read and enjoy a Witchblade comic. Um, Here we are. Over to Marvel right now, and we get um, a, another Venom event because one in one year, or one and a half in one year is not enough, clearly. Uh, we More get Venom. That's what the kids want. Venom Incorporated Alpha, number one, <laughs> written by Dan Slott, uh, the current writer of Spider-Man, and Mike Costa, the current writer of Venom, uh, with art by Ryan Stegman and Brian Reber. I love Ryan Stegman. I yeah I, I I go in in and out of like I love some things you go that he in and draws. Out of Brian's segment. Yep, I do. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, and uh, yeah, this this saw. I mean, so basically, this, like the the big Venom thing that happened a year or two ago is that uh, the uh, the host the Venom host, um, aka um, the the veteran who lost his legs, Flash Thompson, Flash Thompson, who, who was Agent Venom. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got separated from the symbiote and it went back to the original host, um, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock. And uh, so the Venom run has been about Eddie Brock, like trying to be a hero, but also succumbing to like what the, 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 the symbiote's desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this event sees uh, the return of, um, of Flash Thompson. Um, and he wants to basically track down the, the symbiote. Get it back. Get it back. So you can have legs again. And uh, he goes to Spider-Man for help. Spider-Man's like, no, Venom's a bad guy, you dummy. And um, 
Meanwhile, uh, Eddie Brock has been working with some scientists to like make some weird chemical that will help him control the violent urges of yeah. But instead, he make he makes some weird thing that turns uh, <laughs> that turns uh, Flash Thompson into anti venom, which is actually what uh, Eddie Brock called himself during mm. that um, Spider Island event. Right, he's anti <laughs> so agent venom. Yeah, what? yeah, agent anti venom. Good Lord. Uh, This was whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I sort of enjoyed this more than I was expecting to. It was extremely readable. And I think it's one of those ones that's way harder to explain. And if you just have like that kind of base knowledge of Spider-Man and Venom and the various Venoms, you'd probably get quite a lot out of this. Yep. Um, It's just kind of a bit of silly fun. And I think Ryan Stegman is uh, a very solid choice for Spider-Man. I think his style is quite... Suited. Well, I think he's even better and an even better choice for Venom. He's yeah. incredibly good at drawing the symbiote blobber, blobbing all about the place. Yeah. There were some good like, blobs. The double spread's real good. It is. Real I good. liked this, actually. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it doesn't... I, I don't read Spider-Man um, that often, but it doesn't take much for me to dip in and out. Yeah. Okay, like, just like I do with Ryan Stegman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, and I think, you know, I, I might follow a little bit of this, but at yeah. the same time, it doesn't really matter if I don't. Yeah, totally. It sort of appeals to me in, like, a... 90s retro sort of way. Definitely, as all Venom comics should. Absolutely. Although, you know, the Remenda Agent Venom run is like so excellent in my eyes for doing yeah. the opposite of what you expected of a Venom character. And I don't know that anyone disliked it, so it's weird that they returned to this status quo of Venom being evil and hard to control. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, we've been uh, waiting with bated breath for this number one for quite a while, ever since uh, Siobhan saw it advertised in the back of a Dynamite book. And it is the uh, new number one, new series of the science fiction uh, hero, mm-hmm. Barbarella. Mm. Is she a hero? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Her mission is to spread love. Right. Uh, and this is like <laughs> a kind of the like galaxy. a schlocky kind of B-grade uh, sci-fi romance uh, uh I mean, blockbuster esque. Yeah, of sort of explicitly. Like it was one of the first adult aimed French comic books. Right. Was, it was oh, originally serialized. Sure. Yeah, it was around the time of like the um, Comics Code Authority and stuff like that. And this was the first time that they sort of realized that there was an appetite for adult focused oh, yeah, right. so comics I always, in I France. Always thought, I've, I've seen the movie, the, the late 70s yeah. uh, movie. Jane Fonda. Um, yeah, with Jane Fonda as Barbarella. Um, I didn't. Re- I, I didn't realize that that was based on a comic. Yeah, the comic yeah, was right. first, um, and I'm going to be talking about the recent Kelly Sue DeConnick um, translation that I've been reading in our bonus episode. Oh, sick! That's awesome. So, I didn't know that existed either. Fuck. Yeah, it's incredible, and I've been. So I think that having read that really colored my enjoyment of this issue. Okay, so this is written by an, uh, an all-male creative team of Mike Carey, Keenan Yara on art, um, and uh, colors by Mohan. And letters by Crank with an exclamation mark. Crank. Um, and uh, at first, I was like, "Oh, they're really going in on the like kind of hard sci-fi element as we get introduced to the world in which uh, Barbarella enters." Mm-hmm. And when she does enter, they immediately scan her ship and then herself, and then they basically take her um, prisoner mm-hmm. um, and have her vagina removed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was an interesting moment. I was surprised by that. How do you just remove someone's vagina? What does she pee out of? Did what did they take? Well, I think they they removed. So basically, in in this world that she's now part of, uh, all all desire has been removed from 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 people, and yeah. so like uh, it's it's all all, all of the uh, like 
Yeah, the, the organs that embody and channel desire have been removed from the human template, uh, leaving all that is holy and beautiful unaltered. Yeah. And if, me- you're, if you're wondering how they do this, the offending parts are edited out using painless genetic weave technology. Good. Good to know. Um, for me, this was a bit heavy-handed in terms of like themes like having the first story arc be like religious people hate sex and they're gonna take all sex away because they think it's evil and barbarella being like no love is free let's all do it even though we don't have vaginas anymore (laughs) was um not for me in the spirit of the original comic and the art i felt left a lot to be desired the original comic was just black and white, very simple, very beautiful, and there was like a genuine eroticism to it. And this, for me, didn't have any of that. Right, and it focused so. too heavily on like the sci-fi world building, and not enough on Barbarella just having some sexy adventures, which is what the original comic really was. It's funny to hear that Kelly Sudaconic is doing the translation of the original French version mm-hmm. because there were parts of this that just felt like a big rip-off of Bitch Planet. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think... But is that um, a part of Barbarella? Is there like a, is she taken prisoner with all female prisoners at one point? Or I mean, I'm still halfway through it, um, so not in the bits that I've read. Mm. And yeah, I don't know. I just thought that this... I didn't hate it by any means, and I definitely enjoyed it the fur- more the further along I, it went. Yeah. But I just thought it was a little bit... Heavy. I thought it was, this was actually better than I thought it was going to be, but I came in with very low expectations, having not really enjoyed the Jane Fonda movie mm. uh, and having no connection to the character whatsoever and going like, oh, here we go, like a TNA comic. About yeah, yeah, her. yeah. And uh, that, that, they were, that they were even trying to do some message beyond like, you know, this kind of, you know, almost Starfire-esque character um, yeah. going through the galaxy or whatever. I, I appreciated that. But yeah, I mean, for me, I was just kind of like, I should be reading B- um, Bitch Planet instead of this. Yeah, totally. Or just read the, like... I really, really am enjoying the Kelly Sue DeConnick translation. It adds a really fun bent to the original. I don't know what the original translations were like, but it gives it a very... Um, Barbarella has a lot of agency in this book. Like, it was the free love era, and so she was very positive and sex positive and sure. going out there to seek adventure. Yeah, I, I definitely think she does in this to a point. She feels yeah. more like a tank girl kind of character. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. making wisecracks as horrible things happen to her. Yeah. Um, but um, I think as she is like, she's a pretty good character in this. Yeah, totally. Just the story that she's a part of isn't as strong as I would have liked it to be. Agreed. And the original comic was also much funnier. There was just a lot of like double entendre all the Ooh, time. Sounds good. Yeah, it's actually really good. Um, You've sold me on that translation. Maybe not so much this issue, but I, I probably will keep checking in on this. Yeah, totally. I will too. I just like, why not get Kelly Sudaconic to do it? Yeah, definitely. It costs too much probably. Uh, no, I reckon, I'm sure that she would cost less than like Carrie. Really? I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? She's very busy. What She's a bizarre a conversation to start <laughs> with, with potentially very prob- problematic repercussions <laughs> if anyone got wind of us talking about it. <laughs> um, so uh, the last number one that I read, and I think one read one more after this, mm-hmm. uh, is a new Kaboom book from their new uh, recently acquired Nickelodeon imprint. Um, this is uh, the first issue of Rocco's Modern Life following hot on the heels from our uh, like very good, uh, mm-hmm. reviewed by us, uh, Rugrats comic that came mm-hmm. out a month or two ago. Uh, and this is written by Ryan Ferrier, who I would know from where? Don't know. Um, let me... Yeah, a web up. comic, maybe? I can't No, he does like... Um, he didn't... Didn't he do that cell block? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, of course. Shut up, Jim. He Cell block, blah, blah, blah. Of course, my favorite. With the dogs? The dogs? 
Oh, Am I correct on yeah, that? that's right. That one. He did Dave and Dave Two, right. which is actually Jim should know that because it was one of Jim's favorite favorite comics, and Dave Ocracy. <laughs> um, but those comics actually never. Kettlebuck con- Blues. I Kettle was Blues. right. I liked the Kettlebuck Blues. I did not enjoy what I read of the. I think like the third in the Dave series, so that's probably my on me, not not him. Uh, art, art on this one is by Ian McGinty with colors by Fred C. Strezing. Um, I had high expectations on of this, mm-hmm. not just because I like. I, I can't say I was ever like a massive fan of Rocco's One in Life growing up. It was a Nickelodeon show that was on after school. Yeah. Um, and it, I definitely watched it because it was on. Exactly. It was very popcorn. It wasn't mm. like, you know, it had like a small amount of gross out humor a la Ren and Stimpy, but mm-hmm. not enough. And it, it didn't have as much heart as like a Hey Arnold mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I love my Nicktoons. I yeah. love them. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I definitely, I loved, uh, I loved the theme song. I loved it's the a I loved, great theme song. I loved uh, Spunky, his dog, and yeah. I loved I loved the you know biz, like almost Australian accent that they gave Rocco. Yeah, totally. Because he's a he's a wallaby. Is he he's wallaby? a wallaby. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I went in and, like I just, I just off the back of how much I enjoyed Rugrats, I was like, fucking cool, let's do this. And uh, I just found this to be just uh, was, almost like reading a Simpsons comic, you know? Yeah, like, totally. It, like it, it 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 served its purpose. Yes. But didn't transcend it like the Rugrats comic did. Agreed. It was absolutely. Fine, but it was it was very much within the style of the original series. Like I don't think they deviated enough from it. Yeah, Rocco loses his job and then has to he tries to find a new one, and you know at one point uh, burns his hands off while trying to work at a chicken shop, and then at another point isn't allowed to work in a comic book store because he doesn't know enough about comics. And then that bit hit hard. Yeah, that was a bit too close to home for me. Oh really? Yikes! I think um, I am that guy. But what I did love was the backup, which was written and drawn by Casey Green, the very excellent uh, uh, webcomic and uh, sometimes writer of uh, Adventure Time and regular mm-hmm. show comics through, through Boom. Uh, we got a great um, dentist with Mr. Big Head um, strip. Big Mr. Big Head was Rocco's neighbor. And uh, the dentist, if you remember, has a ginormous hook. Mm-hmm. And uh, after Mr. Big Head uh, expresses how... He doesn't want to be served by someone with a big hook for a hand. Uh, also, hook comes for out. an eye and one ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hook, hook, hook. So he's, this, the new dentist has two hooks for legs, two hooks for arms, a hook, a hook for an eye, and a hook for an ear. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> and I thought the art for this, like, I mean, that was another big part of like why I didn't enjoy the main story. Of this, you know, I spoke about it last week with the um, Powerpuff Girls issue I read. Mm. It just felt like stills from a from a cartoon. This yeah. one, not so much, but not enough was done to kind of make it feel like it had like a vibrancy or, um, you know, it didn't really jump off the page. It just kind of felt like, you know, it was just like the cartoon. Yeah, absolutely. But Casey Greens is like, you know, absolutely stylized and cool. Yeah. So look, if you're, if you're a diehard fan of the show, um, check it out. If you are not and you just can remember, remember, remember enjoying it and want to check in, there is a new actual like special that they're oh. doing. Yeah, they're, they're Nickelodeon are doing like they've just done a Hey Arnold movie and then they're doing they've got a Rocco's Modern Life coming up. It's quite soon too. And I the trailer for it was actually pretty good. Oh cool. But that's about television. Who gives a shit about television? Siobhan? I don't tell me about comics. Um so I also read issue one of the Mighty Crusaders, which is from Dark Circle Comics, which is the like uh sort of superhero imprint from Archie. Mm-hmm. And this is like their superhero team. So there's the Shield, the Comet bad guy called Dino Rex, um, and a whole bunch more. This is written by Ian Flynn with art by Kelsey Shannon, colors by Matt Herms, lettering by Jack Morelli. And I really enjoyed this. This was like a very um, solid, easy to jump into superhero number one. They're like a superhero team, tick a bunch of boxes. They don't, they're not 
used to working as a team, but they have to learn how to work together and do team-ups. Um, but, like, really great poppy, punchy art. Yep. Um, great colors. I think this would really appeal to um, an all-ages audience. Why isn't this artist on, a, on an Archie book at the moment? Because the Archie yeah, books totally. have been getting patchier and patchier. Yeah, um, and this is really, really gorgeous. Um with some like really great sort of physical storytelling and yeah, cool. I, I really enjoyed this. I think that if you find the like superhero worlds of Marvel and DC a bit overwhelming and there's a bit too much going on for you there, I think this could really appeal. That said, this, this these characters do have a very long history that even less people know about. Yeah, totally. I think this, I, this team was last written by Wade, like before he did all the Archie stuff. Yeah. He did it. What was it what's it like Dark Fox or something like that? What's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Is the name of it? The character? Yep, that's yeah, a yeah. character. Yeah. And like the the hood. Yeah, that's right. Um, neither of them have shown up in this yet. But it's the I same think, universe? Same universe, I think. I think I think you'd be able to figure out what's going on in this pretty easily. Um, and it's pretty... I I massively enjoyed it. Awesome. The Mighty Crusaders, number Mighty one. Mighty Crusaders, number one. The final it. of uh, this edition of First Things First. All the number ones have been done. Now it's time to uh, roll the dice. If you want to discuss uh, any of the comics that we talked about so far, you can do so on our Facebook group, which you can find at facebook.com slash serious issues podcast. Sorry, facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast. Uh, and uh, if you want to talk about the planet broadcasting uh, podcast in general, why don't you head to facebook.com slash groups slash planet broadcasting, where you can discuss uh, this uh this podcast and all the other great Planet Broadcasting podcasts as well. And also you can uh, just help me out because <laughs> there's like <laughs> almost 6,000 members now and I'm trying, to, so trying, to, trying to be the best admin I can be. But yeah. uh, my God, they don't make it easy. Siobhan. They sure don't. And they like, there's a lot of posts. Am I the only one who? Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite. Um, also, if you want to discuss things from a slightly more uh, feminist edge, or if you're a if you're a lady or someone who doesn't identify as male, or um, you want a more um, a slightly safer space. Yeah, can I man mansplain your group for you? <laughs> if you were sick of being talked over in uh, in groups in which men are allowed to talk about pop culture, and in spite of the admin's best efforts, uh, you still get yelled over whenever you have opinion about everything, anything. Uh, Siobhan has started a very very great group that which you should, you should check out. Uh, which is based off of the, uh, the Queens, Queens of Kings, Kings night. Um, so we'll also be talking about, like, we'll have a more open discussion about our book of the month. So if you just want some people to chat to comics about, just some cool ladies. Um, one of our key Queens of Kings members, Megan, actually started the group for me. Thanks, Megan. Um, we don't have a cool URL yet. Sorry, but you can look <laughs> us up. It's very easy to you do. You can go through. I know. <laughs> I'm a working mom, all right? tough um but you can there's a link to it on the queens of kings facebook page i will post it somewhere can i lurk it no (laughs) worth a try everybody (laughs) um so let's start talking about the rest of the comics that came out this week uh i'll roll the all the dice one to two we talk about image first three to four marvel five to six dc the first roll is a six so dc first and then a four. So DC, then Marvel, then Image. Let's start by talking about some DC books. I'm going to choose the book that brought me so much joy this week and uh, does so whenever I see it in my stack, and that is Batman, issue number 36, written by Tom King with art by Clay Mann. One thing I want to say quickly is I am, I don't know what the hell you're supposed to call it, but the little, like, banner thingy at the yep. top of all the DC books now, yep. I like that. Yeah, me too. It's really good. It looks cool. It takes up way too much of the cover, but I still it looks cool. I'm still on board. Okay. 
Um, so this uh, issue, number 36, uh, basically like they're, they're going full steam ahead with the uh, marriage between Catwoman and Batman, whether you like it or not, Siobhan. Um, and uh, in this one... I object. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> is that what you say? Like if, if anyone should have uh, something yeah, yeah, to say, yeah. should these two not wed? Yeah. Say it now, forever hold your peace. I'm going to say it. Say it now. I object. What are you going to say? I object? And then wh- yep. why? On what grounds? On what grounds? Um... I want to marry Catwoman. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I would definitely marry. I mean, like, yeah. I think Catwoman would be a better partner than Batman would. Yeah, without a doubt. She'd buy you, like, or she'd steal you some cool necklaces. Mm -hmm. Which is all I look for in a partner. It's all I look for. It's what I'm there for, guys. Super Friends Part 1 is the name of uh, this new arc, and it is uh, all about the the friendship of, of Superman and Batman, but also the. Uh, their partners, and I guess the the way that uh, Lois and and Clark interact, and the way that Selena and Bruce interact, and um, basically Clark has found out that um, that his best friend, supposedly Bruce Wayne, uh, is getting married to Selena Kyle, aka Catwoman, and he hasn't got a call from Bruce yet. What's the deal? Meanwhile, Bruce knows that Clark's found out, and why hasn't Clark called him yet? <laughs> And uh, like just two guys talking to their girlfriends about how insecure they are in their friendship. Um, it's a whole issue of that. And it's that brilliant. It's good. It's it totally ex- like it it, it 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 like one of the best things that Tom King does besides making things way too morbid yeah. <laughs> um, is like just very very great specific character explorations. Like choosing a part. Like the you know the neurotic part of 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 Batman and Superman, mm. and really exploring the hell out of it in this issue, um, and you know just the differences in the way that they um, talk to their partners and and talk about each other. Um, Would you say that there was a huge difference in the personalities of Batman and Superman in this issue? I uh, don't know if he necessarily. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Necessarily nails characterization a lot. I think he's done some really fun stuff. Sure. But I don't know. This just seemed like two very samey conversations happening. And I know that they were intentionally reflecting each other. But for me, I was like, uh, they just... uh, I I think... 
in this in in this instance they are quite similar like mm. they're still just two like hurt men <laughs> whose pride won't allow them to fix the situation yeah um, and, I think, and I think that's a really... Women have to come in and clean it up, as <laughs> usual, forcing men to behave like adults. Um, but, uh, <laughs> that I, was for you, Wayne. I really enjoyed that. I thought, I thought that was cool. Like, I mean, like, it, you, you might not be able to point out the differences between um, Batman and Superman in this issue, but you definitely can between Lois and Selina, even though they both want the same thing to happen and they're both rolling their eyes as their yeah. dumb, dumb husbands and husbands-to-be, uh, you know, are too, too proud to kind of face their actions. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm like fighting so hard to not enjoy Tom King's comics. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just being like deliberately antagonistic because everyone loves them so much. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I want more. I want something more. I don't know what. When he's working with Joel Jones, I get it. Um, this maybe it was like the lack of Joel Jones or something. She's coming back. We get a Wonder Woman arc soon that she is on, um, which is exciting. And it looks like she's going to be like kind of like flitting between Clay Mann, who did this issue, and, and her for a while. Um, save for one bad Catwoman, like way too sexy Catwoman pose. Um, I, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed the art on this. Yeah, I did. I did like the art. Um, I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to. I need to put. My I, I on get it. it. Like I mean, he, yeah. But for me, it's like. We've been umming and ahhing about this run for so long and now like with like the last even, I would say, 10 issues, it's just settled into this groove where I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I love this so yeah. much. And it's like, it's just what I want in, maybe not necessarily a Batman comic, but I, like I, I, I did a post in our Facebook group this week. I actually can't remember enjoying a Batman run this much in a long, long time. Mm. It is definitely enjoyable. I think maybe, maybe, Dean, maybe there's maybe some... a detective run. There's some element for me... Of like, I really like superhero comics because everything's so heightened, sure. and there's like the high fantasy and the high melodrama and all that kind of stuff, and everything's up to eleven. And this is just such normal conversations happening against a background of insanity, insanity. And yeah. I, I, I don't know what I don't know. You want the insanity to take the front seat again, kind of, instead of just being background fodder. I get that. I, I kind of I, I like it that it like the the humor that it mines from from that taking a back seat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, uh, I'm very excited to see where this run goes. And, I'm still and, and I'm having sorry, this no. argument with you again because I it, it, I can't wait. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's a good. It's a, it, I think it's like a good thing to discuss each time. Like yeah, the, yeah. I think he, he he can't deny that he's doing a very good job though for us to be able to have a conversation Absolutely. about a comic that we're both enjoying for different reasons. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, so uh, another writer um, who we quite enjoy the work of uh, just took over a book that we have not enjoyed. Uh, for 33 issues now. Mm. Um, that is a book that absolutely should be one of the uh, biggest and best books that uh, DC release. It's the Justice League. Um, and uh, after f- their weird decision to have artist Brian Hitch mm. write Justice League for 30, well, 30-ish issues since uh, Rebirth started, uh, Christopher Priest has taken over as Woo! the main writer of Justice League now. Um, and so we have the team of Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Aquaman, The Flash, and Green Lantern, Simon Baz, and Jessica Cruz. And Cyborg. Did you and Cyborg. Cyborg. I miss Cyborg. Um, it's a lot. Cyborg is just being Martian Manhunter. I really Maybe like... I, I, I hope they address that where the fuck Martian Manhunter is because I miss his big green face. I miss his big green and his face. And his big old cape. His love of cookies. <laughs> yep. Um, bring him back, Martian Manhunter. We and did his, a like, um, gay pride costume. Yes, we did a uh, two a- a- episodes of Hey Fam in which we fixed the DC EU over oh, the yeah. last couple of weeks. How'd you fix it? Um, oh, lots of things that you would have just loved. Just like you know, very very character focused um, 
movies in, instead of just going for broke and having this massive crossover universe. Um, but we said, I, I made the suggestion of when they finally do do a Justice League movie, what they should have done is have Martian Manhunter come to Earth and he's the reason that all the heroes band together to begin with. Yeah, cool. Because he knows what's what's coming from, from beyond and it's up to him to kind of band everyone together to fight Martians. it. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, Justice League, um, in spite of having no Martian Manhunter, um, I thought this was a much better issue than what we've gotten recently. Yeah, this felt to me like that sort of the glory days of Justice League where they're a team and there's someone up in the, what is it called? Watch the Watchtower. Tower and they're instructing everyone where to go. It's like, felt like Grant Morrison-ish to me mm-hmm. and I loved it. I really, mm. really enjoyed this issue. Yeah. It's exactly what I want from Justice League. It's it's so simple. Like, even though, even though like, there's so many different threads, like, pretty much every hero is in a different part of the world at one point in this comic, so you can get a little bit lost, like, oh, what the fuck are they doing now? Yeah. And they just jump, but, but by the end... It's just about Batman being really tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's this is about Batman trying to do too much, and maybe it's time that he stepped down as, like, the, the leader of the mm. league. He's got um, a wedding to plan, guys. Yeah, exactly. It takes up a lot of your time. He's got a he's got a super friend to get the courage up to call. <laughs> um, but I think, like, yeah, I think simple is what this book should be striving for. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't even know, like, we don't even see the face of an enemy, really, in this beyond, like, a kind of, you know, terrorist with a sword mm. um, or a big knife. Um, also, this has to go down as the first issue that I have genuinely enjoyed Simon Baz and Jessica, whatever her name is. Cruz. Jessica Cruz. Nailed it, Christopher Priest. I understand the way they work together. I understand their relationship. You made them likable. Good job. Yeah. I mean, the problem with that, though, is that I think when we were, when, when Hitch was given those characters to put on the league, they hadn't even developed been developed to the point of capable heroes in their own Green Lanterns book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, it's been two years or a or year and a half or whatever since then. So they are capable members of the League. Mm. So... In, 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 in that happening, I guess they're just easier characters to write. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like it's, it's hardly groundbreaking stuff. It's just, a, it's just a fairly, very solid superhero team comic book. Absolutely. Put and, them back um, on track. Exactly. Justice League, issue number 34. Go check it out. It's a, Excited um, to see you, where it goes. You don't need to have read anything before this. Maybe just look up who Cruz and Baz are if you haven't ever heard of them before. Yeah. Um, a, uh, another book that uh, people are enjoying right now is uh, the miniseries. <laughs> Great scene. That's a good Segway, great segue. <laughs> um, Batman White Knight, um, issue number three of eight, written and drawn by Sean Murphy with colors by Matt Hollingsworth. And this is all about um, basically Joker is no longer insane. Um, and uh, with his sanity comes his desire to prove to Gotham that they don't need Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I am getting over this series. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, I still I think this was a pretty enjoyable issue. So uh, there's a lot of weird shit going on where there's like multiple Harley Quinns yeah. going on, and like one of them is now going to be um, the Joker. The bit, the parts I like, I find the parts with Batgirl and Nightwing probably the most compelling. Easily, easily, I find that bit really yeah. interesting where they're sort of going like Batgirl's kind of saying. Batman's really going too far now. We need to do something. And Nightwing's like, it's not my problem. I'm getting drunk and going back to Bloodhaven. But the weird thing is, it's like, oh, um, the Joker is is sane now. He's Jack Napier. And to prove to everyone that they don't need Batman because he's sane now, um, he's, he, he puts the Mad Hatter's mind control card in Clayface's brain, then has all the other villains in Gotham eat, eat Clayface? some of Clayface so he can Icky. control them. I don't know if that would work. That was stupid. And at one point, it's we just see Clayface's brain hovering in... in, in 
in uh, the Mad Hatter's hands with his card shoved it, like in the middle of a cerebral cortex. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. Real there's, a, there's a couple of like, there are a bunch of threads in this that I enjoy, and as like a sort of Elseworldsy story, I think it's pretty good fun. But there's too much going on. There's so much. much happening, and I think Sean Murphy does that a lot. Yes. I think that would be his biggest problem is he, he has too many ideas. And he's a collaborator with both Rick Remender and Scott Snyder, who are yeah. absolutely writers who are guilty of doing that too. So yeah, I feel like we could have pared this down dramatically and have a much more interesting story. Yeah, I don't really, I don't need to see how uh, the Joker proves to Gotham that they, they don't need a Batman. Like a, mm. it could happen in like a, in a description or whatever. Absolutely. Instead of and but he, he instead he's just saying why Batman like Gotham doesn't need a Batman like we've we've had we've had about like ten pages of like all these word balloons describing why why they don't need Batman. Yeah, and just, we already know we know why they don't need a Batman. It's like yeah, it's pretty. Also, the series opened with Batman in Arkham Asylum, so we already know that's where he ends up. Yeah. So why are we? Why is this so drawn out? Yeah. His art's great though. It is really gorgeous. Yeah. And great colors by Matt Hollingsworth too. Agreed. We should have given a shout out to in the best colorist, but hey, it's hard putting together putting together those lists, isn't it? It is, isn't it? You had lots of trouble doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Levin's did it all. Superman. I can't remember anything? Ever. Superman issue thirty six uh, brings to an end Ugh. this bizarre stuck on apocalypse um, arc. That I was... read this just because the cover was so good. Yeah, we have um, uh, Superman sitting atop Darkseid's throne as I guess the earth explodes behind him. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen in the book, unfortunately. No. And don't give me one page of Doug Mankey and then no more pages of Doug Mankey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like two, the, the changing artist in this kind of killed me. Yeah, it's a big, big creative team. This is just the, the, their treatment of this Superman book that was one of their best, like if not the yeah. best. I think it won our best, best DC book last year. Yeah, this arc um, has been bizarre. Well, just like, the, but like the, this year has been mm, bizarre for this true. book. Um, the only thing I enjoyed was that we finally see Lex Luthor rip the S off his suit at the end of this yeah, issue. Yeah, and that final page looks great. Yeah, is that Doug Mankey? That's Probably. Doug Mankey. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I love Doug Mankey. But like, I don't know. Like, how do you turn Superman, Lex, um, Lois, and John stuck on Apocalypse into something just so boring and Absolutely. stock standard as this arc has been? Yeah, yeah, real boring. And like, with kind of no. Like, nothing happens in the end. Like, Superman's occasionally going to have to go back to Apocalypse and be like, is everything still okay? Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Check. I'm um, going back to Earth. And now now we get a crossover with Super Sons. Yeah. Which I don't really need either. Just no. make both books good first, please. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I look, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well. Oh, well. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read uh, issue number four of six of the Hanna-Barbera DC series, Dastardly and Muttley. You weirdo. This is so good. Yeah. It's so strange and weird. Garth Ennis wrote it with art by Morissette. Um, and uh, it uh, basically tells like this bizarre origin story of Dick Dastardly and Muttley, the uh, like, you know, conniving evil genius and or genius evil dumb guy mm. and uh, his uh, sniveling uh, laughing dog. Um, but they're all like, there's like this plane flying over earth, spewing out weird cartoon bullcrap that mm-hmm. makes all these strange things happens in the world in the world and uh, i just i i love this side of garth ennis so much because it's like this he's doing the wacky without doing the gross Mm. um and uh this series is just a surprisingly great series yeah that's that's good i got to say the art art by morissette definitely helps i find morissette's art heaps weird really i think when he draws women it's very odd. So oh, maybe yeah, the fact yeah, that there totally. is no women in this Oh, book. no, that, that's a woman. You just didn't didn't recognize that she was one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
There you go. Did I say that's a woman? That's a woman. That's a woman. That's a woman. Um, well, I read loads more DC books than you. Okay, let's, I let's, hear, read them. let's hear them out. Deathstroke Defiance, issue 26, written by Christopher Priest, who we previously discussed. Yeah, I was like, I read a, I read a Deathstroke Christmas story. I don't need to read a <laughs> Deathstroke issue as well. Um, it's got art by Diogenes Nevis. Mm, I don't know if that's correct. Um, Jason Paz on inks and Jeremy Cox on colors. And this is like Deathstroke versus Dr. Icon, who I don't really know that much Surely about. Surely it's Icon. Icon, sorry. Yes, correct. <laughs> um, but this is like, Christopher Priest has just made the Deathstroke family stuff so hilarious. Like, everyone's fucking. Everyone's doing it all the time. And it's like, Dr. Icon was having a weird relationship with Jericho. <laughs> and that's why... Um, Deathstroke's real mad at him because he's like, my son's like a child in comparison to you. And he's like, we were in love, Deathstroke. It's real weird. Um, but there's a lot of fun to be had in this series. I think it's they're exploring some fun parts of the DC universe. It's definitely like the most interesting version of Deathstroke I think I've ever read because I don't really like him as a villain outside mm. of the Teen Titans. And I think kind of grounding him back in this family stuff has been really great for the character as a whole. Um, Terror's back and smoking cigarettes. I love it. Fantastic. It's great. Yeah, I'm going to read this one on the way home. Highly recommend I that. knew you would read it, so I was like, yeah, I'll sit this one out. Um, I also read Black Lightning, Cold Dead Hands, issue two from... Oh, where is the credits written? It's going to be in the back of the book. Anyway, <laughs> this is pretty, like, by-the-numbers stuff. Yeah. I, I, I want it to be way better than it is. Got that from the first issue and didn't continue. Yeah, it's written by Tony Isabella with art by Clayton Henry... Um, colors by Pete Pantazis. And I just, um, I think that they could have done something more interesting. I know that they're trying to go for like a police brutality kind of vibe. And, and then like, also like kind of like a, a mob story yeah. as well. Um, but it's just not that interesting. And I think you could do something way cooler with the Black Lightning character. Yeah, do a cool Black Lightning book. Yeah, That's why didn't anyone want. think of it? A cool one. Give him chains. Like a chains made of want. lightning? Yes. Ooh, cool. Cool. Um, I also read issue three of Harley and Ivy meets Betty and Veronica, which is exactly as bonkers as you think it would mm-hmm. be. They've now switched bodies. Betty and Veronica are in Harley and Ivy's bodies <laughs> in Gotham, and Reggie is the Joker, and Harley and Ivy are going to high school in Riverdale. Perfect. They're nailing it. They're doing really well at school. And it's pretty silly. It was pretty fun. I like the art. How old do you think um, Harley and uh, and and uh, Ivy are in this? I think they'd be in their like late twenties, but they've literally switched bodies now. It's oh, like right. Freaky Friday. They're How? Freaky Friday. I don't remember because I didn't read issue two. No, that didn't happen in issue two though. Well, then I have no idea. They just woke up in Catwoman's car and and because they wore they wore each other's clothes. They both they both dressed up as as Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. Yeah, I remember that. Well, anyway, somehow they Freaky Friday, <laughs> and. It's all going well. Do they have the classic Freaky Friday moment when a guy and a girl swap bodies and the guy always feels the boobs first? Do they do that? Do they feel feel the boobs? Uh, No. Not interested. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than you would expect, and I think that's because it's written by Paul Dinney with art by Mark and Draco. No, he he co-wrote it. Well, whatever. (laughs) I've already closed the comic. I can't be bothered looking at the details. Those are the DC reviews. Now we move over to Marvel. Can you pass past those last three books, by the way? Oh, yes. Um, so, uh, got a whole bunch of Marvel books. Um, should we talk about Doctor Strange? Yeah, issue let's do it. Number 382, as uh, 
Donny Cates continues his uh, his run with um, art by Gabrielle Walter and Jordi Belair. And um, with a great cover by Mike Del Mundo. That's right, um, who we'll talk about on uh, an X-Men book later too. Um, but uh, this uh, continues the adventures of Loki as the Sorcerer Supreme and Doctor Strange the Vet. Um, and he's uh, he's made it so he can talk to the animals and, mm-hmm. and everyone can hear the animals talking to him. And that scares his customers. As as it would. But very, very funny. I like the, the bat's dog very much. Yeah, definitely. Um, the big moment in this, though, and I don't remember if Strange was the one who locked this character away. Do you remember that? From, like, I just thought, oh, he, I just thought yeah. he died. Yeah, I was really surprised by this ending because I can't remember what happened with this character. But killer a character so that i wasn't expecting to return returns um and uh i actually thought that this character is going to return during expenses secret empire mm. um because all oh, signs yeah. were pointing to to him being the guy who was going to return but instead he just shows up in uh, dr strange and I, what i thought was cool is that i like given this and then all the crazy shit happening in in um uh in uh his new thanos run mm-hmm. it really feels like marvel are just being like okay new writer do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And ha- you have a- access to as many different characters and you can have these different status quos for all these different characters. Like, you know, you, this is a drastic new change for Loki, for Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. And now you've brought back a character that, that I almost didn't think was ever going to come back because he's not really regarded as like a particularly good character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but certainly an eventful one that, uh, that was a big part of uh, Marvel Comics some 10 years ago. I am really enjoying this arc. I love Gabriel Walter. I think it looks incredible. Yeah, definitely. I think Donny Cates is nailing it. Yeah, this is a cool, very, very, very good book. You should uh, give it a shot if you are looking for a good Marvel Marvel book at the moment. Agreed. For, featuring lots of like fan favorite heroes kind yeah. of doing different things. It's good stuff. Plus talking dogs. Yeah, very true. Great. Um, so uh, you mentioned earlier in the episode when we were talking about Batman that you wanted Tom King's Batman run to do more. Mm-hmm. And I would offer that same criticism. To Mark Wade and Chris Sumney and Matthew Wilson's Captain America book, uh, which is like a decidedly simpler take on the character than what we've seen over the last few years of Captain America comics. But I think it's going a bit too far to the point where this is just kind of, it reads like a, like they've just redrawn a bunch of like Silver Age strips and even simplified them. Yeah, I mean, I liked this issue a lot more than I liked the first one. It's a lot less, America the free. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But um, Cap himself is very dull. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the key problem with it. Like, it looks incredible. Chris Amney, of course, is like the best and the action scenes are incredible and he's such an amazing storyteller. Um, but it's just Cap's a bit boring. He's just a bit boring all-American Boring and jock guy. Every issue, both issues we've got so far, the stories could like they're almost like a sentence long fable. Yeah, totally. Don't do this because this happened, America. Yeah, and it's all a bit like everyone loves Cap still, even though he was evil Hydra. Everyone's like, but it's Cap, we love him. Yeah. Give him free food, and it's just like there's not really much character development for him. No, totally. It's a bit boring, and it's also a bit like mm, America isn't just the big cities, guys. We need to get out and get to know that every. The average guy, the yeah. everyday man. Find out why they voted Trump. <laughs> kind of. Um, um, but yeah, this season going up against the Swordsman, who at, in, in an, during another comic I read this week, I was told that he was dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, now this is Hawkeye. a new Swordsman. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, but also, I found it funny because 
trouble came to this small town because Captain America was there and no one was like mad at him. I thought that's where it was going to go, being like, oh, you bring superhero trouble wherever you go. But everyone was like, thanks for saving us, Cap. Even though a couple of people died and you flooded the town a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, look, in spite of our criticisms of it, it's it looks brilliant. It's so beautiful. And it's such a breeze to read. Yeah. Like, I, I finished, I was like, oh, that was, that was good. Like, but yeah. I should... You know, Mark Waite is a creator who I've loved a lot of takes. I mean, I love his older Captain America runs. Man Out of Time, in particular, is a great Captain America book if you've not read it before. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, this I just you know I'm I, I, I'm waiting for a conflict um, to, yeah. to enter, and it looks like they're taking the kind of like just waiting for something to happen. Well, you see what happens at the end of this issue, right? Like, there's no way we're tapping out now. Uh, because uh, he's now being hunted by another <gasps> than Craven the Hunter. And can I just say, Chris Samney draws are like distressingly sexy Craven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm on board. Everyone's I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. What I, I would love excellent. is if Chris Anker, yes. um, uh, who is the guy who draws Thor um, uh, with Jason Aaron, draw, yep. um, you know, does, does the art on Thor. Yep. You know the Thor artist that I'm talking about? <laughs> um, yep. Uh, Russell Dorderman. There we go. Chris Anker, Russell Dorderman, and Chris Samney had a shirtless man superhero yes. off. Guys, do you remember when Marvel used to do the swimsuit specials? Yep. Yes, please. Bring it back. All hunk special. I've actually been pushing this for like a couple of years. <laughs> Every now and again, I'll like But those three artists, they're, they're extremely good at chest hair. Yes. At, 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 at big old arms. Yep. Just, just, just bring big buff on. dudes. Bring and it on. And Dan Mora also. Oh, yeah. Cool. Right, I'm, bring him over. Yeah. Wow, cool. All right, we'll just pitch the best-selling comic of 2018, I think. It really would be. <laughs> it would do so well. And I feel like Marvel were even planning something like this a couple of years ago, and it never happened. Or maybe I just planned it so hard in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. Anyway, I'm getting that tattooed on my face. Which one? That entire comic? Craven. Just Craven. All right. His arms. I like the idea of you having like a 24-page comic <laughs> tattooed on your face somehow. Um, so I mentioned the swordsman um, being brought up in another comic. And oh, my comic- God. You read Hawkeye. I did. That was a, you're very excited. This is a great issue. It's a great issue, right? I'm a, I'm a dummy for tapping out when you I did, but are. hey, I'm back now, and all all dummy uh, claims are out the out the window, Siobhan. Not all of them. Uh, How good is Leonardo Romero? Yeah, I mean, holy, Beautiful. and and with Belair as well, and I mm-hmm. think they're, they're a great team. Um, and I really enjoyed Kelly Thompson's writing. Yeah, is uh, issue 13 of Hawkeye, the family reunion, which sees both Hawkeyes team up together. And I don't know if pairing Kate Bishop with the always annoying and stupid. Um, Clint, well, you know, when he's in his own book, when he's when he's in the Avengers book, for some reason he's like this ruthless killer. Yeah. But like, uh, whenever he's in his own book, he's like this, you know, stumbling buffoon. Sweet dummy. But when you pair, so when like you know the kind of quippy attitude that I saw in uh, those early issues of this run, that just isn't a part of Kate Bishop's character when when Clint is around mm. because like he's just like it's just her going like oh you dummy you are so useless <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I love that that was yeah. the way I enjoyed her character a lot more because of that because of his presence and this was actually an issue where that weird was it Generations yes the, the that paid off if you liked the Hawkeye Generations issue that actually paid off in this issue yeah to a certain extent totally um, I also love like, like the, the 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 biggest like worst thing that happens in this is that they jump into a surfboard store and break a couple of surfboards. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, man, you broke our boards." <laughs> but that's great. It's cute and low stakes, and um, it's really good fun. This is such a fun book, definitely. Um, and it's and it's really good at being a little bit meta in um in in the way it kind of you know like says who like you know it basically like will will we'll tell you kind of directions in the way that. 
um, I guess Hawkeye herself would would say like when when the when the character of Eden Dale shows up, mm-hmm. it says like totally Eden, Eden Dale. Mm. So little cute things like that. Absolutely, think, yeah. the way the book is like designed, the page layouts, everything works together really well, and the colors are beautiful. So one thing I always dreaded um, when uh, there was Kate Bishop and uh, and Clint together is uh, that they would at some point have a romantic subplot. Yeah, and, and it's been cool because they're like they're just friends and they have this kind of combative friendship. The next cover for the next issue has them making out. But it also says it's not what it looks like. What do you reckon? Mind control? Maybe another Madame Mask Freaky um, Friday? Clone. Maybe they Freaky Friday. I wish everything had a Freaky Friday element to it. <laughs> that would be a great event. <laughs> yes! Who would you want? Which two, which two Marvel characters do you want to swap bodies the most? Uh, both Thors. Okay. The Thors swap bodies. Okay. What would they do? Wolverines. Still, just will the hammer? Yeah. Well, then I guess actually... Odin's son would be like, yeah, yes, oh, finally. I have... Yeah, sure. <laughs> finally, I have boobs. <laughs> um, what about Dupe and... Quentin Quire. Yeah, they're kind of from each other as well. I, like, I want people that would have never met before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, America Chavez, mm-hmm. Devil Dinosaur. Nice. I just unlocked America Chavez on Lego Superheroes 2. I haven't started playing it yet. Is it really as buggy as they say it is? It is very buggy. It's very annoying. <laughs> but also, I just unlocked Howard the Duck. Yeah, cool. All right. Keeps Sold. me going. Sold. <laughs> um, Christopher Priest has gotten three mentions in this episode so far. Why not make it four? What is he? Cullen Bunn? Um, he wrote the fi- fifth and final issue of Inhumans Once and F- Future Kings this week uh, with art by Phil Noto and a backup by Ryan North and uh, Gustavo Duarte. Great cover by Nick Bradshaw. Yeah, great cover. This, this entire run is a great covers. Uh, and this entire run started really strongly, I thought, but unfortunately kind of, kind of turned not. into a very hard to follow mess. Yeah, I don't know what's going on and I don't care. Um, and uh, yeah, I certainly I, I ended it and I just ended and I was like, well, that's that. <laughs> I don't really have like any desire to kind of go back and, and reread to kind of get more clarity on it. Yeah. I just, I, I think there were way too many characters mm-hmm. in this five issue mini. Um, a lot of whom don't really amount to much in the end. Mm. Um, and uh, like, yeah, too much, too much ambiguity when it came to, are they bad or good mm. for almost every character? Yeah, totally. Um, which I guess is something that priest kind of excels at, but uh of all the priest books that I read this week, this is the weakest. And it's a real bummer because I was excited to have him doing stuff at Marvel again. But I'm more excited to have him writing Justice League. That's true. Um, Black Bolt is a member of Inhumans and also the guy who had an issue number eight this week. Nice. Uh, written by uh, Christian... Sorry, written Saladin by Saladin Ahmed. Ahmed with art by Christian Ward, um, both of whom are doing an incredible job on this book. Yeah, this um, was a much better Inhumans book. Definitely. This is yeah, this is one of my favorite books of the year. That's why we uh, allowed you to vote for it in our awards. Um, I can't believe this is Saladin Ahmed's first comic as well. I know. He's like such, such a, a good storyteller. A great grasp of the Marvel Universe as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sees Black Bolt return to Earth and uh, have basically have be forced to answer a bunch of questions from the Inhumans that he stranded mm. uh, on Earth. Um, wasn't his fault, guys. Wasn't his Maximus. fault. It was all Maximus' fault. Always Maximus. Um, the reunion between him and Uhura I thought was really well handled. Yeah, and his like, son. Sad. Yeah, definitely. And... Um, uh, this basically the whole reason he's come to Earth isn't for the Inhumans at all. It's to uh, honor the memory of his friend, mm-hmm. um, the Absorbing Man, mm-hmm. Crusher Creel, who mm-hmm. gave his life to save him a couple of issues ago. Uh, specifically, they're going to go try and find uh, Titan, his wife. Titania. Titania, that's right. And uh, she is mad as all hell. Fair enough. Oh, man. And Christian Ward, 
like it seems like it must be so much fun to get to draw Lockjaw. Yeah, but definitely. There are so many fun angles of him flopping about in this issue that I loved. But look at how he's drawn Titania. Like this, she looks in like just so strong. Yeah, which is something that like so few comic writers are able to do when they're drawing a, uh, a superheroine. Absolutely. Or you know, super villainess. Yeah. Um, they just kind of like go like, okay, all the all the guys are buff and 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 strong, and the girls are hot. Yeah, and they're sexy. They have big, sexy boobs. But like, I, I would not want to take a kick from a, a Titania leg. No, she's point. huge. Yeah, they're big legs. They're big legs. Uh, so yeah, that really really great great run that I'm, I hope goes for a bit longer. There's always like mm. this sense of like, is this going to last much longer? Yeah, totally. Run? But it it's, keeps it's going. It's really really good. So I'm into it. Um, Astonishing X-Men at number six. Uh, Charles Soule with uh, Mike Del Mondo. Um, continuing the story of uh, Professor Xavier trying to escape um, the head of Farouk, a.k.a. The Shadow King. The Shadow King. Um, and uh, This has all been getting to this point, it that's seems right. to me. And uh, yeah, I think if this is one more issue of this storyline continuing and mm. not having some form of resolution, I'd be like, oh, fuck this comic. But it wraps everything up very well. And leaves a lot of stuff open for the for the for the next issue as well. But yeah. um, the uh, final big reveal um, of all characters to do a big heroic moment. Mm. I was not expecting Phantom X to be the one. Absolutely. So a big 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 change up for that character as of this issue. That I guess we'll be seeing um, the repercussions of in the future issues of Astonishing X Men. Yeah, I'm interested to see what this means. Professor X is back on his bullshit, guys. I mean, so is Wolverine apparently, but he just showed up in Legacy. Isn't it funny that nothing that happened in that legacy one shot has been continued in any Marvel book since then? Mm, like, I think, show up. yeah, I, it feels like a bizarre afterthought though, because like you know, Rebirth that that big show, that, that, that you know, the, the entire last year and a bit has been all of the um, DC universe responding to the Jeff Johns one shot, mm. but nothing from Legacy has kind of been touched on yet. Mm. We know that we're going to get some post-credit scenes of Wolverine in comics next year. I just rolled my eyes really hard. Because she loves it so much. I love it That's what she so does when she loves much. things. Um, but yeah, uh, Astonishing X-Men. Definitely the best X-Men book right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's a good way to uh, segue into nice. X-Men Gold, number 17, which I told you to start reading again. I did. Hey, you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this was written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Ken Lashley. And it's like X-Men in space. Yeah, the art's great. They're in space trying to track down this alien who whose people came to get him off Earth, and in doing so, they took uh, Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride captive. Yep. <coughs> Nightcrawler phases um, to a destination that he cannot see and ends up halfway phased through a rock. Oh, no. Um, that seems like a bad place to phase. Everything else, who gives a shit? Agreed. But uh, I don't know. I hate the way Guggenheim writes Old Man Logan. Yeah. I don't know why it's just boring. It doesn't yeah. really have anything to do with Wolverine. Yeah, totally. But um, I don't know. I, I definitely want to see how uh, Nightcrawler gets out of this one or how this one gets out of Nightcrawler <laughs> if you catch my drift. So I'll be giving it another issue. Yeah. Uh, Avengers number 674. The fin- the, is, it, is it even the finale of this Worlds Collide thing yet? Part five. Is Worlds sti- well, Awards Worlds Still Colliding? Um, it's the kind of yes, crossover with Champion. And uh, yeah, we've got one more Champions issue, um, which is going to deal with the potential death of one of the characters who died in this issue. I don't know what's going on. I don't even remember who that was. Viv Vision. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hope they don't kill her. They just made her human. Now they're going to kill her? What is this? I kind of don't want her dead or human, though. So Yeah, just bring her back as a robot, please. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, we'll just show the recreator or some shit. I liked um, Hazel Sayers, who's the artist on this, did some cool, like, anthropomorphized 
tigers and bulls and snakes carry like leading smaller versions of themselves on leads yeah that's like that because the high evolutionary is a real madman and just mm-hmm. does bizarre things that don't really seem to get him anywhere yeah in terms of taking over the world yeah <laughs> it's a weird issue yeah it's a weird, a weird weird arc. event i'm Not kind really of i have to say i'm kind of looking forward to that big avengers crossover weekly comic though i know you hate the idea of it avengers no surrender yeah. i'm just psyched to see zub and um and ewing riding alongside wade i think that'll, that'll be cool yeah. <laughs> Should be interesting. Uh, I wonder what each of the creators are going to bring to that. Whatever. Whatever. Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't read this. Ichi 148, written by uh, Jerry Duggan with art by Marcus Toe. Um, did I read this? <laughs> I got a real case of the Siobhan's. Oh, it, it was good. Good. Oh, Cosmo's in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cosmo's great. But we uh, found out recently that this end, this run is coming to an end soon because Jerry Duggan has been uh, basically he pitched an idea for a Guardian story and they were like this is too big for the Guardians you need to turn it into a cosmic event. Cool, that's so, pretty fun. Yeah, that is pretty fun. Maybe that's a good opportunity for you to get back on board this run. I swear it's good. Mm. Darth Vader is the final Marvel book I read this week, issue number nine, written by Charles Soule with art by Kevin Coley, um, and uh, this uh, sees um, Darth Vader go up against. A um the I guess like the last Jedi who's been kind of uh, tasked with uh, chronicling all of the history of the Jedi and only allowing herself to to access it. Um, it was great. Had some excellent action scenes. Um, this has been a, a great arc, and I'm I'm happy that of all of the uh, Star Wars comics, I'm still reading this one. Cool. Yeah, real fun. Caesar wielding a big old crazy space laser at the end. Do you like space lasers? It's my favorite kind of laser. Paper Girls, issue number 18, is the first of the image books that we're going to review today. Um, and uh, it is written by Brian K. Vaughan with art by Cliff Chang, Matt Wilson, and uh, letters by Jared K. Fletcher. Um, and uh, this is uh, just even more hard to describe in terms of not ruining the plot for you, dear listeners. So, Siobhan, But it's great. Yeah. You got, you got anything to say beyond that? Um, Brian K. Vaughan is stepping into some like Kirby-style shit. For me, like the this cover, that design, that character design is pure pure Kirby. Is that is that Brian K. Vaughan doing it or well, probably more Cliff Chang, I yeah. guess. Um, um, but it's beautiful. It's such a great to look at book, and I'm so I find this endlessly compelling because Brian K. Vaughan shows us such a tiny tiny fraction of the the story as a whole the whole way through this, and we're discovering it as our lead characters also discover. And it, I think it's really cool and fun yeah there is this enormous sci-fi epic yeah in the background of the yeah. story um i th- but i feel like as that takes more and more as we see more and more of it and then as we kind of see the girls dealing with um you know all these crazy situations that they get they get, they get thrown in i feel crazy that this travel. is pulling them further and further apart from each other and we're mm. getting less of what i loved about the book which was their the d- dynamic of the four of them together See, I think that's still a really central part of the book and it's um, developing in really interesting ways. Like, I like that as the characters are having to deal with all this weird sci-fi stuff, like, there's a moment in this where one of the characters is like, I think that that might be an alternate universe version Mm. of the same character because she's realized that she's gay and she's like, that's fucked, that's weird. I think it must be, like, an alternate version. Like, I think that there's interesting things that he's doing with um, their relationships. Yeah, I I, I guess, like, I'm I'm just bummed to see them kind of separating and not trusting each other and stuff like that. I guess it's part of the course. Yeah. It's a, it sort of feels like it's really a story about like 
puberty and growing up and stuff. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of adults versus kids and they're in this weird middle ground. And I, I sort of think this is really interesting. Yeah. Great issue. I mean, I'll, I'll never stop reading this. So we take, never. We take some fucked up things to forget to get me to stop, Siobhan. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Uh, we got the second issues of a couple of series that started very recently. Um, the first of which is number one with a bullet. I didn't read this because I didn't remember enjoying the first issue that much. But did I enjoy it? I kept reading it because you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything, guys. Jacob Saman wrote this with art by Jorge Corona. And this is the story of um, a, uh, a girl who was the um, assistant to a talk show host. Mm. And um, after being embarrassed, um, oh yeah, after falling over on the show, mid after being interviewed, or whatever, um, then uh, we we find out that um, a sex tape from many years ago, um, which was recorded like through a contact lens of the yep. man she was with, um, has been leaked. And so this entire thing is just—it's all about the way society views women that that's happened to, and how technology allows that to happen. And there's some like actual crazy shit happening behind it all mm-hmm. and there might be someone who has orchestrated all this to happen and um i think the best moment of this is that like um uh someone um someone like she, she remembers back to like high school and um you know something really embarrassing happening to a, a girl at a, um, a college kegger and um you know, after being kind of ostracized by the rest of the school, she always used to see this girl um, staring at the uh, trophy case and um, in particular, like looking at this photo. And after like, you know, weeks of wondering what she was looking at in the photo, she asked her and um, she reveals that she wasn't actually looking at the um, the photo. That's not what she was staring at. Instead, she was staring behind her. She did it with all reflective surfaces, watching, waiting, feeling like someone just out of sight was about to make her a victim again. Oh. And I really like that like description of what it's like to have something, you know, against your will revealed about you or, you know, like, you know, shown or, yeah, leaked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and, and all the heavy-handedness that was in the first issue is kind of gone in this issue. It's actually, I, this is a really cool book. I would, oh, man, I'm disappointed I missed it. You should this take one. this one home and, and, uh, and take, check it out. I will. Um, the other second issue I was referring to is uh, the second issue of the Grave Diggers Union, written, written by Wes Craig, um, with art by Toby Cypress. Um, and uh, I am going to go out here and say that although I really enjoy the art and some of the voices, save for the weird attempt at patois that came out more like the Cookie Monster um, <laughs> that one of the characters had, um, uh, I think this book is a, almost like a like you should wait for trade on it. Yeah, I think it's worthwhile waiting for trade. I still really like it, though. I think the art's really nice. And the, the patois is embarrassing, but I think it's kind of intentional. I think the character's supposed to be like a white lady trying to do that. Okay. Maybe. Maybe yeah. I'm reading into it too heavily. Um, but I think this is really cool. I really like it. I think it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It, 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 just, it, it, um, it doesn't really further the plot in this. It, we just kind of see more of the world. It's that, yeah, it's that true. early image issue problem. Um, it didn't. It, I was kind of like, okay, cool. Time to be reminded about what I liked about the first issue. I didn't really get any of that in this issue. Yeah, I suppose this was a very different. Like, we didn't see that much of the actual grave diggers in this. We saw sort of more about what they're trying to take down. Nary a shovel. Nary a shovel to be seen. I still liked it though. It's good. Yeah, well, I'll, very, very I'll good. see. I'll see. Yeah, I said like I mean, it's it's hard to resist a book that looks this good. So Absolutely. I probably will give it more of a shot instead of just waiting for another five issues to be collected. Speaking of books that look really good that you don't read, um, it was issue nine of Mirror this week by Emma Rios, the art by Hui Lim. Um, this is like 
incredibly beautiful high concept sci-fi fantasy that's really hard to explain because it's all dealing with this kind of science magic stuff and gods and weird other dimensions but it's it's so gorgeous and the way that they have incorporated the two different story arcs like the first mirror um story which was way different to what's going on it's so hard to explain i can't even start but i really think that this is a book that um is so rewarding to read and trade and i think it's hard to keep on top of in terms of singles because it doesn't come out monthly so it's there's a lot to remember issue to issue but the first arc i read in trade and it totally totally blew my mind and i think everyone should read it cool um, I read chapter six of Rock Candy Mountain by Kyle Starks and Chris Schweizer, which is the um, Hobos um, and the Devil comic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's enormously funny. Um, and now that like we've we've lived in this world for quite a few issues, and we've we kind of know who the characters are and what their motives and end goals are. Um, it's really really just being written at such a cracking pace now. And I think there's a uh, yeah, part one of the there's there's two more issues of this left, um, and uh, with like the devil's pretty much like a like a co-star cool. now, um, and looking for our, our main character who is able to um, take on anyone in in one-on-one combat and win. Nice, and that's his like superpower. Um, it's just this is so much fun, and I'm looking forward to kind of like talking about this comic as a whole when it finishes in two more issues. Cool. Um, I also read Extremity Issue 9. Did you read Extremity Issue 9? I'll read this on the, on the train home. Okay. Well, I don't want to give it anything away. It was a big week, away. everyone. It was a, it was a really gigantic week. This issue had some of the goriest panels, but also incredibly heartbreaking, quiet moments. I think Extremity is a really exceptional book. And You told me not to put it in the top six image books of the, of the year. Yeah, but there's a lot of really great image yeah, books this, this year. And true. it's like a testament to the stuff that Image is putting out right now that I couldn't even include this. But I feel bad that we didn't include it because I feel like it is one of my favorite books of the year. It's so beautiful. Darren, um, Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer have created a really like fully fleshed out universe and um, a really distinct style and they've got a really strong message with this book which I really enjoy. Um, yeah, and there's some really beautiful moments in this and it's gorgeous. If, we, ha- if we had an award that was Best Writer Artist... You, you better believe that Daniel Warren Johnston would, would have a, uh, a nomination in there. Absolutely. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Alongside Jeff Darrow, Terry Moore, Joelle Jones, Jeff Lemire. Yep. Maybe we should just add this. Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good category. Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, issue number 30 this week, written and drawn by David Laffham, who would also be in that. That's six. Mm-hmm. That's Easy. your nominations done. Um, this is uh, one of my favorite series. Um, as you hear me gush about it every single month, I can't believe that he's just been sticking to schedule. I thought like we'd be getting more than one a month, some months. Um, but um, part of this crime st- series is that, like, when it's not being this extremely nihilistic and and grim uh, crime book, we get these like weird fantasy issues that started all the way back um, when the series started in the '90s, in which one of the characters imagined herself as like this um, like world class, like famous criminal called Amy Racecar. Um, and we haven't had one of these like fantasy issues because that that character hasn't been in the comic for quite some time. Um, but um, instead, we see another fantasy issue from point told from the point of view of uh, Beth who's just kind of like the protagonist of the, of the book now um, which references that she is the uh, the daughter of Amy Racecar and it's this like really cool what, what, what they are, are these like you know fantastical kind of 
science fiction schlocky B-grade movie kind of takes on all of the plot points from the recent issues. And so this almost like retells the story um, with all the characters being trapped in like this nightmarish kind of deadly class-esque school. Cool, fun. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Very, very meta. And, um, and uh, you know, it's always good to get these little distraction issues. They always throw it to you at the height of something really heavy and fucked up happening mm. in the main story too. And uh, we'll get back on board that bus when issue 31 comes out. Nice. Speaking of heavy and fucked up, I read issue five of Generation Gone, which is written by Alice Cott, with art by Andre Lima Aruho. Oh, I got that wrong. But he's the only reason I'm sticking on this book because I did like, this is a book of basically a bunch of teenagers just kicking the shit out of each other and yelling expletives and like it's really intentionally hardcore in a way that... I know Alice Cott is trying to say something, but sometimes he misses the mark pretty drastically, and I think this does miss the mark. And it's, I think he's trying to create it as an ongoing superhero universe right. for him. Yeah, I'm not sure if I enjoy him as a writer. I thought I did, but... Yeah, sometimes I really like him. Like, Materials, that book that he did. I liked um, Zero a image. Lot. Yeah, Zero was really good. Yeah. I think that he is capable of really exceptional stuff, but some of his stuff reads really immature. Mm. Um the art on this is really beautiful, though, and I really like that. And it had a pretty satisfying ending. In That's the, the end? Uh, this is the ending of this arc. Right, sure. So there's going to be more to come. Act 2 <coughs> coming 2018. Um, Will you keep reading? I don't know. Probably not. The Walking Dead issue number 174 came out this week, written by Robert Kirkman with art by Charlie Adlard. Um, and uh, this saw... The uh, I guess the moment of redemption for a character that everyone thought unredeemable. Negan? I don't even read the comic and I don't know. Yeah, Negan. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess this is like the, the... If anyone was wondering if this character is going to continue being a bad guy, um, I'd say it's completely out of the question now. Although you never know with The Walking Dead. Mm. People can change their mind and kill everybody. Yep. Or get killed. Yep. So it's, it's a wild world out there. Eaten the Walking by zombies. Dead. Um, you know, it's, it, this is like one of those extremely wordy. Does it even have anything to do with zombies anymore? Really? Yeah. Are there still well, it's zombies about, ever? It's about a world in which zombies exist. Right. Okay. Humans. Who are that? The real zombies? Mm. If you ask me. All on our smartphones. <laughs> something. Something. Uh, yeah. Anyway, good issue. I also read issue six of Black Cloud from the team of Jason Latour, Ivan Brandon, Paul Ryan. Ryan one. Ryan one. One of the hardest comics to keep up with. Yeah, and on, Matt Wilson. Since we started. I. And, like, this is intentionally this weird deconstruction of, like, narrative and ideas. And in this, they sort of say that the world that they're living in is a world where ideas come. It's like a world of ideas. I don't really understand what that means. But, again, this is, like, beautiful and interesting. A world with where ideas yeah. come. Yes. All right. I you, you understand <laughs> how that sounded. Whatever. I think that this is something that would be, um, again, really good in trade. I think I, I do recommend this, but I kind of recommend waiting for the trade. <laughs> yeah. Those are our image reviews. Those are our image reviews. And uh, we have uh, a couple more, uh, literally one couple more comics yep. to uh, talk about. One of them is... Beautiful. Archie. Issue, Archie issue number 26. Um, That's the hardest that Jim has ever laughed at anything in the podcast. <laughs> a good joke. When Levin's just burped. Um, I don't know what that who that... <laughs> like, is that more damning for us or Jim? <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely you, because you didn't laugh. Ah, no, great joke. Um, Archie number 26, funnier. written by Mark Wade with art by Audrey Mock um, and colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick. Um, continuing the Betty is in a wheelchair now and determined to walk again. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
Archie is thinking maybe he has feelings for Betty, but no, he still loves Veronica, everyone. It's, it's he loves both of them. When will they all just accept that they're in this polyamorous relationship and give us the 2017-2018 Archie that we all deserve where no one has a gender? I want to go back and read the first four issues of this run with yeah. the Fiona Staples art and see if it was as soap opera-y as this has become. Because this is just straight up like Degrassi now. I, I enjoy it. Like it is yeah. fun getting this. Like I've, there hasn't really been, there've been some interesting decisions that maybe I wouldn't have pushed the, the plot down, but like in terms of this being a kind of, you know, Veronica getting jealous of Archie with Betty, I think this is a much more realistic take on it than what we've yeah. seen in an Archie comic before. Not that you kind of want that to be in an Archie comic, I guess, but there's just like, there's no gags. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no jokes in this. And like, I find it kind of boring. Like, I don't think that the soap opera stuff is high stakes enough or melodramatic enough. Mm. Like, it's just kind of like everyone's friends and trying to not hurt each other's feelings. And that's a bit boring to me. What I do love, though, is Dilton. Yeah. Trying to date Betty. Yeah. It's, I like that. It's sweet. Yeah. But it also seems like he's just going to be let down gently or something. Know. It looks like she's giving him a chance. Yeah. Oh, choose, choose. They both have to choose at the end. Yeah. That's pretty fun. I like Audrey Mock. I like the um, Sandy Jarrell um, variant cover for this issue. Did you see that? It's real nice. I see. Little guy over there. With oh, the yeah, autumn, beautiful. Autumn leaves. Cute. Archie playing his guitar. To Betty flying in some leaves. Cute. I think maybe they just need a fresh voice on this book. I like Mark Wade, but I think he's maybe come to the end of what he is capable of doing in with Archie. Who would you like on this book? Uh, I don't know. The better answer would have been a burp. That would have, that would have, <laughs> oh, that would have slayed. Will. Um, final comic we're going to talk about you know today. What? I want the Hernandez brothers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, like they pretty much draw Archie style. Jamie Hernandez anyway. Draws yeah. <laughs> classic Archie style. Everyone just has giant tits. Gilbert Hernandez. Yeah. I love Gilbert Hernandez. Uh, so uh, Love and Rockets, issue number four of this. Uh, I guess it's, it's, like, it's like referred to as like the fourth volume. Yeah. Volume Volume four, issue number four, by uh, Gilbert and Jamie Hernandez. Um, this is great because um, I'm finally 100% caught up on Love and Rockets. I did so last week, knowing That's that this issue is coming out. I've I read, read like such random bits and pieces of Love and Rockets, so I don't really understand any of it, but I fucking love it. I had like two of the um, installations of uh, installments, sorry, of uh, of the new stories, which is like mm-hmm. 100 pages each, and then all of the these editions that came out this year, which are 40 pages each. So I read all of them. Last week and caught up, and um, after reading this issue, I'm baffled that you were able to keep up with this because this is like a direct follow-on from the, yeah. the last issues of the new stories arcs. I've read those. So, oh, you have? Yeah, I've read everything that's come out recently. Oh no, 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 no! no. Really this, this, is, this isn't new stories. New stories oh. is like these hundred-page collections that came out annually uh. before this. Right. So the stories no, that I you're no seeing in this have on. been happening for like four years now. Yeah. And that's very apparent in that, like, there's no preamble with any of this. There's no, like, catch-up bits. It's just straight into all these characters that if you're a fan of Love and Rockets, you know exactly what's going on. Oh, no, but I mean, like, these actual, like, like this reunion story has been going on for four years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's a yeah, four-year-long yeah. four reunion. Hectic. Um, I don't know what's going on, but I like it. Yeah. Um, so, tell me, like, what, what, which, which do you enjoy more? The, the, the Jamie Hernandez... Um, punk stuff or the um, Gilbert Hernandez bizarre pornographic soap opera? Guess. Guess which one I like best. (laughs) (laughs) Gilbert Hernandez all the way. Um, Yeah. For me, like... What's with the the weird sci-fi bit also? What's that? While while before they 
go to this reunion. Hopi and Maggie, who are the two heroes of Jamie Hernandez's run, go mm-hmm. to a um a cinema and mm-hmm. watch a sci-fi movie. Okay. And they've been continuing this bizarre sci-fi movie cool. um, in each issue. Um, I like that they just are doing whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, comics. this it's is... such a pure yeah. vision of, like, two really creative minds, and that's why it's totally engaging and totally fun to read, even though I don't understand what's going on. So I've been yeah. I've been desperate to try and find somebody in the world that listens to the podcast or, or just has, that has read every single issue of Love and Rockets. I don't know anyone. Mm. I did a call out on our group. Everyone's read bits and pieces. Someone, yeah. I, uh, One of our listeners has read everything that Jamie's done, but nothing that Gilbert's done. <laughs> There's um, so much. Which is crazy because I'm just so used to reading both of them together. Mm. Um, uh, but, like, man, if you if you ever want an enormous task, read 36 years or however long it's been of, yeah. of Love and Rockets. It's, it's such a rewarding experience. And this, like, cool reunion that's happening now in Jamie's stuff is just so heartwarming and kind of tragic because you've been following these characters for so long. And I loved the, the final page of this um, was so just so satisfying. It's mm. like a little flashback to when Hopi and Maggie were kids. Um, they just got so much, so much incredible plot to go back to, and in fact, even in Gilbert Hernandez's um, stuff, he, he has the characters finally go back to Palomar, which is where this his story started. This you know fictitious Southern American town mm. um, where Luba mm-hmm. originated, and when, and now we're following her two half sisters, or one of her half sisters, Fritz, and a very her various pornographic star lookalikes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's it, the story is so nuts, but there still is this like incredible heart that follows through this you know i can't believe i've been reading a story that's been that's been written for 36 years by yeah. the same two people it's that's so something wild. really special really really special i think it makes it one of the most unique and awesome comics ever created absolutely of that. it reminds me like something that i have more i've read more of is terry moore's strangers in paradise which is a very similar like not not similar in like topic or tone or anything like that but in terms of like these characters that he owns and that he is allowed to develop and live their lives yeah something really cool well we should talk about that in our bonus episode which we're going to record right now everybody because i read the first trade of strangers of paradise um, after i finished love and rockets beautiful i'm doing all the black and white romance masters nice um i just read the second trade of strangers of paradise amazing which means between us we've read about six issues (laughs) (laughs) um but uh so yeah if you um if you would like to support the show um, you can uh, head to patreon.com slash serious issues podcast and there you'll be able to throw in a couple bucks each month um, and that gives you access to all of our bonus material. We put up a, uh, a bonus episode just a few weeks ago and now we're about to record another one and it's all about um, graphic novels that we've read in the last month. Um, I've got some really cool ones. I've mentioned yep. all of them in the show. But um, yeah, looking forward to talking about some great books with Siobhan yet again. Woo! Uh, just like we'll be doing next week, remember to uh, vote in our awards, which you can find at bit.ly slash Serious Issues Awards 2017. Um, and uh, join the discussion over at facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Serious underscore underscore Issues, uh, individually at Siobhan CBG and at LevDog. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can find this show every single Monday slash Tuesday, depending on how busy I am when we, when we put the episode up. Nice. I think now we're recording at Kings again. It's quite easy for me to get it up on Mondays. Uh, Ah. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) See you next time. Bye. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. 
Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.